Chapter 55 Hierarchy and Doubt Miranda was tapping her fingers on the table as she stared at the system menu in front of her. She soon noticed she hadn't actually read a word as her mind was far too distracted. She couldn't help but regret the weekly ritual she had created where she would go meet the owner at his lodge and bring him up to speed over a bite of food. At the time, it had seemed like a good idea, but now she couldn't help but consider it incredibly silly, if not downright disrespectful and blasphemous. She had been ignorant and stupid to a level that she had only recently come to understand. Her weeks after getting her class evolution, or more accurately, getting her divine blessing, had gotten longer. She would spend at least a few hours of real-world time every day deep in meditation, where she then reached out and entered the Verdant Lagoon. The Verdant Lagoon was a mysterious and quite incomprehensible place. It looked like a giant swamp with countless islands in it, each unique. Some islands had entire cities on them, some had huts and tents that resembled something from the Stone Age, while some were even winter landscapes or deserts. But where she found herself most days was on the central island, a place generally reserved for the three ladies that had created the lagoon. They spoke of the lagoon as their divine realm, something Miranda was more than willing to believe. They were gods, after all. What reason would gods have to lie to her? It wasn't like they were the only ones she had spoken to, either. Many different individuals resided in the lagoon with either their actual physical bodies, avatars of some kind, or a projection-like skill, the same as her. Her meditation sessions only lasted for a few hours, but within the lagoon, that was more than a day. It was only in specific areas that time moved like this, and sadly, or luckily, her weird projected body was confined to these places. Being in the lagoon felt... odd. Miranda looked the same, wore the same clothes, and could even touch things, but she knew she wasn't actually there. With a single thought, she could appear back at her real body at any time, and if her real body were disturbed, she would wake back up, too. The many individuals she interacted with, some of them humans, others less so, were all unified in one thing, their reverence of the ladies that had created the land they now occupied. This reverence was then reflected onto her, as she was viewed with respect by entities far more powerful than herself. All that she could handle. She could deal with it. She felt like she was halfway to shitting her pants whenever she interacted with some otherworldly creature that politely tipped its hat to her in passing, but it was somehow still manageable. No, what wasn't manageable was how the ladies treated her. They acted far too friendly for her comfort. There was always a barrier that made it absolutely clear that they were superior beings, but they seemed to almost recognize her as being close to them in rank, not in power rank, but in respect to hierarchical power. This confused her until one of them said that the city owner, Jade, had apparently allowed them to bless her. That thought just seemed utterly preposterous. Who was he to tell them what they could and couldn't do? Yet they seemed to accept it without question, and when she couldn't hold in her curiosity any longer, she had asked, and the answer hadn't exactly put her concerns to rest. She knew that he was friendly with a the god they served, but the implications of that she couldn't comprehend until she learned more of their master. In the overall hierarchy of this entire multiverse, of limitless planets, worlds, dimensions, and factions, their master sat amongst the pinnacle of existences. Their master was one of the first twelve beings that had achieved godhood, a creature that entire pantheons of gods feared. 
Miranda had felt the utter reverence, adoration, and slight fear the three ladies held regarding their master, a primordial called the Malefic Viper, an enigmatic god that could, in their own words, kill every single living being not just on their planet, but their entire galaxy with nothing but a snap of his fingers. Putting in a bit more power, he could destroy the Vernant Lagoon and its three creators, and with his full power, the sisters were unsure if any but the most powerful of beings in existence could stand up to him. One thing they were absolutely sure of was that none could escape unscathed, at least, for their master was a god of poison, destruction, and corruption. And that, that kind of being, was what the owner had as a friend. She didn't get it. The thought of being friends with the three sisters didn't even cross her mind. She couldn't quite form a good metaphor to describe the difference. There simply wasn't one with the logic of the old world. The thought of beings living trillions of years and personally wielding power to reduce planets to dust with a casual glance wasn't something she could wrap her head around, much less being friends with such a being. It was like a poor farmer being friends with the largest nuclear power on the old earth, and even that was an understatement. Yet the owner was so casual about it. To make it worse, he was too easy to read, so she couldn't even delude herself into believing he wasn't serious. He truly did consider the malefic viper his friend. Even her next logical step of concluding that he was the delusional one was shut down by the gods confirming it. Because they hadn't asked Jake for permission to bless her, they had asked the malefic viper, who had then asked Jake on their behalf. They had given her a blessing only one step below that of a true blessing, a blessing that still carried heavy implications for any god to give out, with the true one being infinitely more special. Naturally, the owner had gained the true blessing from the malefic viper, so she thought it was perfectly acceptable for her to find every single meeting with the owner gut-wrenchingly scary. Miranda had to watch every word and deliberate everything she did, because what if she somehow offended him? If he decided to fire her, what would happen? Even if that wasn't a realistic threat, could she truly do him justice? He was the chosen of a primordial. He was so many ranks above her in the hierarchy of the multiverse that she was like the poorest farmer meeting the emperor. She tried her best, but was it truly enough? She had progressed more than ever before over these last few weeks, gaining class levels at a fast speed, and her profession was nearly maxed out at ninety-nine. Miranda felt like she needed to do everything to ensure her position, not just for herself, but also for Hank, his family, and every citizen of Haven, because she felt like they lived at his discretion and mercy, which made all their meetings so much harder, because... So, anyway, I somehow ended up killing a badger more than five minutes after firing the arrow and getting a better handle on this new affinity thing, Jake explained, while eating his food. It was actually a bit funny that my first encounter with a beast from the tutorial happened by accident. I did consider trying to travel to where it hit, but I honestly have no idea where it even landed. Sure, I could try and do some quick math to try and figure it out, but as my skill had just upgraded, I am not entirely sure exactly how long it kept flying. Miranda just sat opposite him, nodding and smiling, which was quite frankly starting to get a bit boring. Jake felt like she became more and more distant over the last few weeks, and he felt like everything he said was instantly accepted without challenge. She didn't even make any snippy comments when he began ranting. They just sat there in silence for a bit. Miranda had already gone over the weekly updates, professionally, as always. She had barely eaten any of the quite frankly delicious food, 
and the atmosphere in the lodge was beginning to turn awkward. It wasn't the first time, either. Jake felt like their relationship was walking backward, and just when he was beginning to feel more familiar with her, she began pulling back. He had never been the best at social interactions, but he really had issues around friends, and he did consider Miranda a friend. We are friends, aren't we? Jake put down his cutlery and just looked at the woman across from him. She met his gaze for only a moment before looking away. Sir, is there anything you need? Why are you back to calling me sir? It's weird, Jake said, cutting Miranda off. I apologize. I didn't mean to... Seriously, what happened? I'm not sure. I... If you keep reminding me of the first time I went out for drinks with Jacob and his boss, then you should just begin sending over written reports. This is just too damn awkward. It may just be me, but I thought we had moved past this overly professional phase. Miranda just stared back at him, looking almost scared. What is she afraid of? What had he done to make her like this? It had all changed after she had evolved her class and gained the blessing. Was it something to do with that? I wouldn't dare to presume such things, Miranda said, Jake not interrupting her this time. If you wish to receive written reports instead of these meetings, I would be more than happy to provide them. I don't want written reports. Jeez. Jake shook his head, then asked the question he had just wondered about. Is this in any way related to that blessing and all the God business? She looked at him like she had just been caught doing something wrong. It reminded him of the time he'd admonished her for staring at him for hours back during one of their first meetings. It made him feel like their relationship really had deteriorated to that level, one where he was just a powerful, unknown element. Jake just looked down, her body language more than enough to communicate that he was right. She usually could control every signal she gave off to perfection, making it impossible to distinguish her emotions outwardly. Back during the negotiation with Philip, she'd had a perfect poker face that he couldn't see through even with his sphere and instincts. But now she was apparently so nervous she couldn't even keep that up anymore, showing that she really felt out of her depth. Jake sighed. Gods are... different. They are old and powerful, and a fraction of one's knowledge is more than any mortal could learn in a lifetime. To see them as creatures on an entirely different level than us isn't wrong, but not wholly right, either. All of them were once mortal, as far as I know. Some that are now gods were even weaker than us as humans when they began their journey to power. They aren't that much different from you and me. At least I don't think so. I told you this once before. The god is just a really old and powerful person. Nothing more, nothing less. This finally got a response out of Miranda. I... I have met gods, the ladies of the Verdant Lagoon. They aren't like us. Saying they are is like believing a single ember is no different from the sun. Now, even more than that, we live at the mercy of the gods. How could we not treat them with respect and... Respect is one thing. Submission is another. Every god is respectable in their own way. They did something hard, and that is damn respectable. But it doesn't mean this relationship is static. If I had met Misty right after returning from the tutorial, I would have lost to her in a fight. Now, I am stronger. The gods are no different. Sure, right now they are stronger, but when I become a god too, who says I won't change? He was still voicing his genuine thoughts on the matter. To him, godhood was truly just another challenge. This seems to get another proper reaction out of Miranda. During these past weeks, I have spent a lot of time within the realm of the ladies. 
I have made creatures far more powerful than anything I could even imagine, yet not a single one of them dared show any real confidence in achieving godhood. It isn't something you just do. Those that can become gods are fundamentally different from you and I. How can you just act like becoming a god is a given? I thought you would know about how difficult it is. This made Jake a bit happy, as she finally stopped acting so weird and returned to her usual self. Well, what's the alternative? Death? Nah, I'd rather just become a god. If I fail, I die anyway, and if I succeed, I don't die. Pretty simple. Isn't achieving godhood just the natural path of progression? I have my own goals, and to achieve those, I need to become a god. He smiled confidently. What is your goal? Miranda asked, for the first time showing genuine interest and not fear or exasperation. I want to be the very best like no one ever was, Jake said in a singing tone as he smiled goofily. It wasn't the first time he had made that reference, and he'd had to go into an hour-long rant about old theme songs when Miranda didn't recognize it the first time. Miranda failed at holding back a giggle as Jake completely broke the tense atmosphere with his silly reference. Her mask had fallen for a bit. She quickly tried to wipe away her smile and be serious again, but Jake butted in before she ruined the mood. I may be the city owner, and technically your boss, but I consider you a friend first and foremost. Stop caring about who knows what God and about what others think. I don't care about it, so neither should you. You're just making this awkward. He smiled and shook his head. So stop calling me Sir or whatever other weird title. Just call me Jake, like before. Miranda looked a bit troubled, seemingly reconsidering if that was really okay. I'll try, Jake. See, it isn't that hard, he joked back, as he returned to a matter that had been a big clue in to what she had been dealing with internally. You can also make some kind of temple if you feel it would be a good idea. Just make it shared, if that makes sense. Make it so each god can have their own statue or pedestal or whatever, and then people can just make whatever they want if they have a god that has blessed them or something like that. Would your patron be okay with that? Miranda asked with a bit of concern. I don't have a patron, but Veli shouldn't care either way, Jake dismissively said. Veli, she asked, a bit confused. She didn't know anyone with that name in the city or why they would have any say in godly matters. Yeah, the Malefic Viper, as he likes to call himself. A bit edgy, but it totally fits his style with his black scales and general tendency to cause death and destruction wherever he goes. It was a joke that didn't land very well, as Miranda looked very uncomfortable, apparently considering if her even thinking it was funny was allowed. Okay, baby steps. At least the night ended with Miranda going back and the atmosphere between them a lot better than it had been when she arrived. They also finished with her saying that his next delivery would come the next morning. It was a delivery of new weapons created to be sacrificed to his touch of the Malefic Viper training. Upgrading that skill was the final item on his bucket list before reaching D grade. And once that was upgraded and he got 99 in his profession, it was evolution time. Chapter 56 The Cursed Touch Four more levels in his profession remained until he would finally be capped in both that and his class. Those four levels could be relatively swiftly gained by just grinding out poisons, but he still needed to improve Touch of the Malefic Viper before that. It was the thing that had filled his head before this entire arcane affinity thing came out of nowhere. 
He had even sat days in meditation to delve into the sagacity skill to study transmutation and how to do that properly. This allowed him to realize that many parts of touch of the malefic viper were comparable to traditional transmutation, and he became more and more confident in his theory of using touch to transmute weapons. He was determined that, this time, he wouldn't get distracted. After Jake had returned from the Cloud Island and had his meeting with Miranda, he had meditated and done a bit of mana practice before his weapons delivery arrived in the morning. He went straight into it with great gusto and began breaking the smith's hard work by infusing corruption into them. The delivery was a cart full of more than a hundred inferior rarity steel short swords with a variety of enchantments on them, all of them the most straightforward kind, such as making the blade sharper or harder or able to conduct mana more easily. All in all, they were kind of bad, but that at least helped Jake not feel that terrible about breaking them all as he began experimenting. Instantly, he felt how it had become easier than before. His discovery of, and subsequent practice with, arcane mana had helped him immensely in learning to better control his energy, especially in the stability department. This didn't mean that he instantly succeeded, however. All it meant was that the items could last slightly longer than before without breaking apart. They were also not so brittle that just swinging them through the air could make them shatter. If before today he'd been taking baby steps, he was now taking above-average adult male steps. Jake looked over his newest creation, one quite a lot better than what he was used to creating. Unstable fungicide steel short sword, common, a blade made of steel that has been soaked in mana and crafted by a stool-growing smith, infused with a powerful fungicide. The fungicide has increased the blade's rarity and power, but made it unstable and fragile. Will break apart within three hours and forty-three minutes. Enchantments, fungicide strike. Requirements, level fifty-five plus in any humanoid race. Compared to before, it would now last quite a bit longer, and it was no longer incredibly fragile. It was still damn weak and not suited for combat, but it showed some promise. It was also about this time that Jake began genuinely taking notice of one of the significant issues he kept encountering, lack of quality. While the smiths had surely done their best, their creations were lacking. The structural integrity of the weapons was fine. The issue lay in the enchantments. Pretty much all the weapons had either hardening or sharpened or something like that affixed to it. At its core, Jake's touch of the malefic viper was about corrupting something, and what he corrupted was in large part this enchantment. It did so by Jake infusing a part of his own energy into the blade with the properties he wanted, and afterward this energy consumed and took the place of the original enchantment. If the original enchant sucked, there simply wasn't enough to corrupt, so it would have to consume the blade's other qualities instead, such as its durability. The enchant also needed to at least be partly compatible with the corrupting effect Jake infused into it. He found that the hardening enchantment worked well with nearly every type of transmutation, but not as well as those truly compatible. An enchant making all cuts infused with hematoxin bleed more was just a slam dunk, and in the same vein, he had an enchant that made wounds harder to heal, and that worked damn well with his necrotic poison. Not good enough for the weapons not to still break, but he saw the potential. However, at this point, Jake felt like he had gone as far as he could without making some drastic changes to his approach, so he began attempting something more. Before, he'd just infused the effects of a toxin, but his touch of the malefic viper could do more than just mimic the effects of a toxin. It could mimic the effects of an affinity. 
And what affinity was more opportune to test out than his new arcane affinity? Heck, he even had a title that helped to manipulate it, so it seemed like the obvious choice. Jake began his next phase of testing that afternoon. It went as expected. The first blade blew up into countless fragments as he tried to infuse it with necrotic poison combined with his arcane affinity at the same time. He tried it again with a few different blades, but ended up with the same result every time. He was glad that he did it outside, at least, or his house would look like Swiss cheese by now. Anyway, he reached the conclusion that the toxin he was trying to infuse into it was simply too strong, so he tried lowering it by using the weakest poison he had, a.k.a. his own blood. Well, it wasn't really his weakest poison, but he could make it the weakest, as the toxicity was very much dependent on how much mana he used when making his blood toxic. His blood was an amalgamation of all his own records and had insane compatibility with all kinds of energies or affinities. This was also why it was such an excellent ingredient while concocting poisons, as it could fit into pretty much everything. It was what he always used when usually going for maximum corruption, or if unsure which poison was best to infuse. It also had the benefit of his arcane affinity, easily integrating with it and absorbing it entirely. It only took him a few hours and a handful of swords before he had his first success, and not a this-blade-will-break-apart-in-a-few-hours success, but an actual creation. It even came with a new notification he had never seen before. You have successfully transmuted steel short sword of minor arcane conductivity, inferior. A new kind of creation has been made. Bonus experience earned. Ding! Profession prodigious alchemist of the malefic viper has reached a level 96. Stat points allocated, plus five free points. Jake was a bit surprised at the notification, and couldn't help but make a big smile. This was the first time the system recognized anything he had done as an actual transmutation. He felt damn proud of that. The level was also super nice to get, if a bit unexpected. Then again, he knew crafting something for the first time gave extra experience, so maybe it gave double extra experience when he made something with an entirely new crafting method for the first time. He checked his new creation and was quite pleased with the result, if a bit puzzled at a few things. Steel short sword of minor arcane conductivity, inferior. A blade made of steel that has been soaked in mana and crafted by a still-growing smith, infused with potent arcane mana. The mana has changed the blade's basic properties, making it able to absorb and release its creator's arcane mana far more easily. Enchantments, arcane conductivity. Requirements, level 25 plus in any humanoid race. Quasi soulbound. There were a few things to go over. Before Jake's transmutation, the sword had had an enchant that just enhanced mana conductivity, one of the simplest enchants Jake knew of. He had managed to change that enchant to better function with his arcane affinity mana at the cost of it no longer working with regular mana. This had led to some unexpected results, the first of which was the somewhat confusing requirement of now being quasi-soulbound. He wasn't sure how it differed from the normal soulbound, but he did kind of understand why it existed. In the process of transmuting items, he found that it was way easier to do after binding them to him. Without doing that, he couldn't get a proper feel for the movements of the energy he infused, and as his way of transmuting was pretty much just pumping mana into the item, it was hard for him not to bind it first. So, for his transmutation method to deepen the bond between him and the item made sense. He also wasn't sure if the lack of rarity increase was to be expected or not. To him, it was now just a better weapon, 
But then again, to anyone else, it was unusable trash, as they didn't have Jake's arcane affinity. By nature of it being an arcane affinity, no one else could have it. I guess it didn't really increase in rarity or quality based on that. It just became more specialized, Jake thought, as he admired the blade. Well, the base weapon was still so bad that he had no use of it. The level 25-plus requirement suggested that it was indeed a low-level weapon. Besides, the only benefits of channeling arcane mana through the blade were to make it slightly more robust and maybe a bit sharper. Shaking his head, Jake kept experimenting. He kept using the combination of mimicking his blood and using his arcane affinity to create sword after sword. Some of them could better conduct arcane affinity mana, but he managed to change the enchant quite a lot for some weapons. One example was a sword where he managed to change a sharpening enchant to allowing the blade to extend nearly half a meter outwards, forming an edge of arcane affinity mana. Due to the weapon's durability, it could only keep the edge active for a single strike, but it was progress nevertheless. This kept on for days as Jake went through the entire stack of swords. His collection of arcane weapons became more and more impressive, and his skills increased by the hour. He didn't get any more levels, but he didn't expect to either. He was just building up his momentum and capabilities for the last big push. The last push would come through a far more difficult transmutation than any before on a weapon several grades above anything he had touched, a weapon that he also happened to not give a shit about breaking, so it was perfect for experimenting on. Scimitar of Debauchery, Epic, a cursed blade made by the wicked for the wicked, crafted from steel that has soaked in the blood of the innocent, leaving a powerful curse of resentment on the blade, a curse that can be further strengthened by adding more souls of innocence. Wield with caution, for the curse does not only affect those it strikes. Enchantments, Curse of Debauchery, Requirements, Humanoid Race. Jake was certain that the weapon was durable. Its former wielder had blocked Jake's arrows with it, along with his venom fang, and the blade hadn't taken any damage. He had even taken it out and tried to do some damage to it over the last few weeks, and found himself unable to. And that was before he bound it to himself, which would strengthen the scimitar significantly. He had a bit of worry about binding it to him due to the rather ominous warning and curse, but he believed he could handle it now that he had pride of the malefic viper. Even then, he took extra precautions and had Misty and Hawkey leave with Sylphie to do some early flight training and give Miranda a message on their way out about not visiting in the short term. This left the valley empty for him to experiment and be cursed as much as he wanted. Jake placed his hand on it and slowly injected a bit of mana to bind it. At first it felt just like binding any other weapon, but soon he felt something else. While he was pouring mana into the blade, the blade used that same connection to send some energy back. Instantly he felt something invade his mind. It felt like countless cries of anger cursing him at once, and he knew the highly condensed sense of resentment was trying to pull him in and join them in their wrath. But more than rage was another far more prominent emotion. Lust. Yet just as the emotions began trying to truly influence him, another deadly sin reared its head and crushed them both. His pride didn't allow the curse to affect him whatsoever, and without hesitation he squashed all the voices from within the blade and dispelled all other untoward emotions. The blade died down, but he still felt the power of the curse buried within. Even if it didn't affect him, the blade still desired to be fed. It wanted the blood of those it deemed innocent, whatever that meant. 
It desired their suffering. It demanded their death to absorb their lives and make a fragment of their records its own. Jake studied the weapon for a bit as he considered his approach. It wasn't the first time he had thought about what to do, but it was only now he had truly decided. The scimitar had a relatively simple design. The blade was very thin for a scimitar, and it only curved a little. It was slightly thicker towards its end, and it looked perfect for slicing. It didn't look like a cursed weapon at first glance whatsoever. It was only because of Donald's skills that it appeared to be blood-red. Placing his hands on the blade, he closed his eyes and pushed his consciousness into it. Once more he experienced the curse, and he allowed it to influence him even more than before. He felt the raging emotions, but found them... lacking. Compared to the rage he felt from his bloodline when he believed Miranda had betrayed him, this was nothing. A large part of it was, without a doubt, due to that occasion being his own anger, while this was just a curse trying to drag him into it and influence him. The lust part should have been a bit harder to deal with, but Jake found it even easier to handle. Sure, he did find quite a few women in his surroundings attractive, especially after the tutorial made pretty much everyone into models by standards of the old world. Miranda was nice and, okay, fuck off, curse. He wasn't some hormone-filled teenager that couldn't control himself. In fact, he found the influence of the curse in that department utterly pathetic, even if he understood the underlying desire. Heck, his own teenage years had been way worse, and he had managed to not act like an utter moron back then. Wait, did the bloodline also influence me back then, he asked himself for a brief moment, before dispelling the thought. Not because he didn't believe it to be true, he just knew it wasn't something he could easily answer, and right now understanding the blade was more important than his own teenage years. Delving into the blade, he came to understand what the curse truly desired, and he would corrupt that desire and understanding and bend it to his own interpretation, to an emotion he understood and indulged in far more than lust and wrath. At first he had considered greed, but that just led him to consider what it was greedy for, so he decided to take the simplest thing one would want and go with that. It was another of the deadly sins, gluttony. In the end, the curse came down to the blade wanting to feed. The souls wanted revenge on those that had slain them by consuming their souls as retaliation, and the curse on the blade itself made it want sacrifices to grow. Jake began changing the energies in the blade as he infused it with touch of the malefic viper. It was far more energy than ever before, and yet the sword just kept consuming it. He would allow the scimitar to fulfill both its lust and desire for revenge, but he would change it. Like with his arcane affinity, he would boil it down to its simplest element and amplify it, make it pure and straightforward, removing all complications. He would corrupt its desire down to its most primal need, because in the end, the blade just hungered. You have successfully transmuted Scimitar of Cursed Hunger, Epic. A new kind of creation has been made, bonus experience earned. Ding! Profession Prodigious Alchemist of the Malefic Viper has reached level 97, stat points allocated, plus 5 free points. It had been far easier than Jake believed, but he also felt like he understood the weapon far more than he found comfortable. Ultimately, he had just imposed his own will upon the blade and made it what he wanted it to be crushing any opposition in the way, including all the souls. He identified the scimitar and couldn't hold back a small smile. 
Scimitar of Cursed Hunger, Epic. A cursed blade made by the wicked, corrupted by the vipers chosen, crafted from steel that is soaked in the blood of the innocent, which left a powerful curse of resentment on the blade. The curse has been corrupted, and the souls destroyed, leaving only their hunger behind. The blade craves blood, and will feed on any vitality-based life-form to nurture both itself and its wielder. The scimitar of cursed hunger will wane in power if not fed regularly. Enchantments, cursed hunger. Requirements, humanoid race, quasi-soul-bound. It was still quite ominous, but it was far more muted when he felt the curse within. For now it was sated and didn't need any feeding, and yet he felt like it always wanted more. Jake had essentially just created a sword that could drain the health of anyone he'd cut with it, and he was totally fine with that. What made it even more pleasing was that besides getting a new weapon, he also got another few notifications. Touch of the Malefic Viper, Epic With a single touch, the Malefic Viper has slain countless foes, attempt to inject poison into a being through physical contact. The nature of the poison is determined by the user. The alchemist can only use toxic effects he has concocted or created prior, can be used with all compatible types of mana affinities, further altering the effects. Some toxins cannot be used. Adds a small increase to the effectiveness of Touch of the Malefic Viper based on intelligence and wisdom. Upgraded to Touch of the Malefic Viper, Ancient. With a single touch, the Malefic Viper has slain countless foes, attempt to inject poison into a being through physical contact. The nature of the poison is determined by the user. The alchemist can only use toxic effects he has concocted or created prior, can be used with all compatible types of mana affinities, further altering the effects. This effect is especially effective when using your arcane affinity, vastly increases the potency of transmutations made using touch of the malefic viper at the cost of partly binding them to your soul. Some effects cannot be replicated. Adds an increase to the effectiveness of touch of the malefic viper based on intelligence and wisdom. Passively provides one intelligence per level in prodigious alchemist of the malefic viper. May your touch be the catalyst of corruption as you bend the world to your will. Ding! Profession prodigious alchemist of the malefic viper has reached level 98. Stat points allocated, plus five free points. Jake read it over his smile only growing as he enjoyed both the feeling of the stats increasing and the fact that he was nearly done. All his preparations were over. Now there were only two things left to do, one more level in his profession, and then, then he would get that D grade. Chapter 57 Grades and Impatience Jake sat on his porch, staring out over the pond, as he pondered, pond-pun intended. It felt like forever ago when he'd theorized that the nine stat-giving skills with Of the Malefic Viper in their names were actually part of a larger set, and so far, he felt like he had only been proven right time and time again. They just had way too much synergy not to be. So when he got the ninth one to Ancient Rarity, he had expected something to happen, he knew skills could fuse from all the way back when Sense Herb and Sense Toxin merged into Sense of the Malefic Viper, so maybe the skills would finally merge upon them all upgrading? Yet no such thing had happened. Jake almost couldn't hold himself back from asking the Viper if his skills were bugged or if he was just a moron for assuming they would merge. Well, it wasn't like he lost anything by them not merging, and while he didn't ask the Viper about the skills, he did ask one question anyway one that had been bothering him for a while. 
Hey, Billy, should I evolve right when I can, or is there any reason to wait? Would it be better for me to work on upgrading some more skills first, or maybe really diving into this whole arcane affinity thing before doing so? All evolutions before this had been taken as soon as they were available. He had often wondered if doing so had ultimately led to him being worse off throughout the months, especially when it came to his class. He knew that while the class wasn't bad, it wasn't extraordinary either. Jake had delved into the books to look for knowledge and hadn't found much. That was when he remembered another piece of literature he had quite frankly completely forgotten about, the small notebook Jacob had given him on the first day of returning to Earth. He had only skimmed the first few pages and seen they were related to pylons and making a city and stuff, so he'd had Miranda read it over at one of their meetings. She had found it quite helpful, but had also mentioned that the general info about classes and professions in it was enlightening. It was that little comment that made Jake flip through it, and he was pretty sure the auger had given out some information he wasn't really supposed to. First of all, he had written about his own class without a care in the world. Well, it made a bit more sense when Jake read on, as he came to understand that knowledge about the auger classes was pretty well known, as it was a famous archetype. Jake's eyes bulged quite a bit when he read the stats given by the class. Thirty-two total was just insane. His own ambitious hunter only gave eighteen per level in comparison. Well, he did have a cheat of a profession making up for it a bit, but still. However, as he read on, Jake began to feel better about not being an auger himself. Professions and classes all came with tied-in ways of leveling them. Jake's class was all about being a hunter that liked killing stuff above his own level, so the class was made for that. He also came to realize that there likely were some hidden experience bonuses besides his mark of the ambitious hunter tied to killing stronger enemies due to the class, as well as a penalty if he killed weaker foes. In the same vein, the Augur of Hope also had many rules tied into it. For Jacob to level, he had to realize fates, stay true to his own beliefs, guide others towards paths to power, and do religious stuff, a.k.a. all things Jake would absolutely abhor doing. And on the side of penalties, it was way fucking worse. Jacob couldn't fight at all, not because of his class not offering any means of combat. It was a rule tied to his class. He was unable to fight back even if attacked, and if he took the lives of sapient creatures, he would be penalized, possibly even losing his class outright. That was the reason it gave so many stats. It was to make up for the massive downsides it had. To Jake's knowledge, he didn't have any downsides to his class besides maybe that experience penalty when killing lower-leveled foes, but that one didn't matter to him anyway. Jake came to learn that the maximum amount of stats a class could give at E-grade was 34, while the maximum for a profession was 27, but both of those were for the ones that came with severe restrictions in place. The Hermit Alchemist profession that Jake had seen was an example of a restrictive profession. It gave more stats than usual, but with other massive downsides. If one wanted one without severe downsides, the limit for E-grade classes was 28, while for professions it was 22. So Jake had won out big time in the profession department, getting one that nearly couldn't be better for not being restricted, while his class still had a bit to go. Of course, if he factored in the of the Malefic Viper skills, Jake was more than good when it came to stats. At D-grade, all of those numbers were pretty much tripled. Max for a class would be 100, and max for a profession would be 80. Of course, they were realistically slightly lower because the ones rewarding that much would be restricted. 
Jacob had even written that his Augur of Hope would give him 96 stats per level in B grade. If Jake could get a class with more than 70, or maybe even 75 stats per level, he would be more than happy. He didn't know if he could, because quite frankly he had no idea how good he was for an E grade. He figured he was decent, but he didn't really have any proper comparisons. As for the deferred stats, if one evolved a class or profession before reaching D grade, well, you would just only get a third of his stats gained, with the rest coming in bulk after evolving. Pretty simple, actually. Jake was thrown out of his thoughts when he felt the malefic viper's presence touch upon his mind as a voice echoed out in his head, answering his question about if he should evolve right away or not. Waiting to undergo an evolution is a hard decision for some, but in your case, I wouldn't say it is. There is no reason to delay it even a day. While getting a lot of upgraded skills or improving yourself in other ways matters, so does momentum. Think about it like this. Can you achieve as much overall growth in the next three months as you have in the last three? If not, go right ahead and evolve. Many spend decades, if not over a century, in E-grade to try and get better evolutions or simply because they were slow. If it took you 70 years to level from 24 to 99, it doesn't really hurt much to wait another 30 years to upgrade a handful of skills and further improve your craft possibly finishing off with creating your greatest creation yet before evolving. In your case, however, prolonging your evolution will only lead to you diluting your own achievements or losing momentum. Then, in a smug, faux-mocking voice, he added, You have done adequately for a mere E-grade mortal. Nothing compared to my magnificent achievements back then, but I guess it is acceptable for my chosen. So get off your ass, make some poisons, and get that final level. Jake chuckled a bit as he answered, Well, I would never dare to presume I could ever reach the levels of thee, oh, my revered patron. Thanks, as always, Billy. Take care and say hi to those three witches for me. And if you could tell them to go a bit easier on Miranda, it would be nice. She seems to have a hard time dealing with all this divinity stuff. Jake, feeling at least a basic level of reverence towards gods is kind of the norm. Just because you're weird as fuck doesn't mean everyone around you is, too. But sure, I'll tell them to be more chill, but don't expect much to change, at least not in the short term. You can just hope that mortal girl learns to adapt a bit. But I am super reverent. What are you talking about? Jake joked, shaking his head. I guess dealing with gods can be hard for some. Anyway, what are you up to these days besides answering my inane questions? Oh, you know, trying to conquer the world and all that fun stuff. Went and got back a few people I had sent off to training a few months ago, and more than half survived, so that was nice. Mortals and their fragility, you know? Actually, I think you know one of them. Remember that Rydia girl? Yeah, she was one of the survivors of a little training tour. Back on topic, I have been lazing about for far too long, so I am basically just reclaiming some stuff that used to belong to me and expanding the order. You can come by and check stuff out once your universe begins opening up a bit, so look forward to it. But I can feel that my divine message juice is running out, so see you around, 
And nice talking to you. Yeah, nice talking to you. Have fun with your world domination, Jake said with a smile, as he felt the connection between him and the malefic viper fade away. He was beginning to think that these divine message sessions actually helped strengthen the connection slightly every time, making it easier for the viper to send longer and more complicated messages. Jake didn't know what the implications were, if that was true, but did it really matter? He didn't see the viper having any untoward intentions towards him, because if he did, the viper literally had all the power. Jake shook his head as he dispelled all distracting thoughts. It wasn't like knowing about stats and the rules of classes and such would actually help him. It was just nice to know. No, the only thing that truly mattered right now was doing some alchemy and getting that level. So Jake sat down, took out his cauldron, and began producing some potions. He didn't make poisons, since he had a feeling he would need to craft again shortly after evolving anyway, as chances were he could make more potent poisons and potions then. Better to just make some potions now that he could either sell or give away for others to use. His impatience made him make a few more mistakes than usual, resulting in it taking nearly three days before he finally got it. Ding! Profession prodigious alchemist of the Malefic Viper has reached level 99, stat points allocated, plus five free points. Ding! Race human E has reached level 99, stat points allocated, plus five free points. Jake did an internal mini-cheer as he got the two notifications. The feeling of happiness was only amplified further by the next message. Quest. The perfect evolution completed. Reward given upon evolving to degrade. He sat there waiting for the next system message for a few minutes before realizing it wasn't coming. Some fucking how, Jake had forgotten that he would actually still need another level in his race even after reaching level 99 in both his class and profession. Jake could do this by doing alchemy for a few more days, or he could do as he actually did, opening his wings and soaring upwards towards the Cloud Island. Misty, Sylphie, and Hawkey all threw him a glance as he flew off, but only the baby bird made a small screech, wondering where he was going, as she tried to fly up and follow him. It didn't go that well, as she fell down, much to the amusement of her parents. On the island... Jake went on a damn rampage, slaughtering cloud elementals and birds in droves. This was when he, to his delight, spotted a giant bird hanging around the massive lightning tree in the middle of the island. Thunder Rock. Level unknown. The result of their epic fight was obvious from the beginning. Jake summoned an arrow of the ambitious hunter, focusing his mind on ending the battle as fast as possible. Once summoned, he soaked it in his poison before knocking it, and charging his newly upgraded arcane power shot. He looked at the poor rock as he channeled his attack. Powers swirled around him in a vortex of energy that began slowly tearing away at the small cloud island he stood on. Arcane power shot was a lot more powerful than his old infused power shot, and even had extra scaling with intelligence, a stat he had just gotten a big bump in from upgrading touch of the malefic viper. The power built up both inside his body and the weapon, and his skin began sizzling a little as he took a bit of damage. Purple-pink veins appeared on both his arms and his shoulders as he poured more energy into the skill than ever before. He planned on ending it in one shot, to see if that was even possible. It wasn't something he had planned on doing, but what harm could there be in adding one-shotting a degrade to his list of achievements? Jake released the string, and the arrow exploded out with power. The arrow of the ambitious hunter flew straight for the unaware Thunder Rock, 
which only noticed the incoming attack when it was too late. It tried to avoid getting hit in a vital area at the final moment, but found itself frozen as it felt the gaze of an apex hunter land upon it. The arrow hit it right in its head, tearing into the rock's skull before exploding and leaving nothing above its neck. It kept struggling for a while as its natural vitality kept it alive, but the poison on the arrow made healing its wound impossible. A minute later the rock, now lying on the cloud island below, stopped struggling and expired. You have slain Thunder Rock, level 101. Bonus experience earned for killing an enemy above your level. Followed by the far more important message. Race evolution requirements met. With great ambition and drive you have ventured through E-grade, never swaying on your path or questioning your own resolve. You have been diverse and delved into many different areas as your endless hunger to improve and explore led you both wide and deep, from embracing legacies to forging your own magics. An important decision lies before you. Begin evolution now. Y. N. Warning. Postponing evolution may have adverse effects, and no further race experience can be earned before the evolution is completed. Fucking finally, he thought, as he made a huge smile. He rushed over to get the beast orb, but couldn't find it for some reason. He ended up getting impatient and rushing back to his lodge faster than he had ever flown before. Upon landing, he only threw a single glance at Misty and Hawkey, who both gave him an approving and knowing glance. They understood he was about to evolve. Even Sylphie seemed able to detect it. Jake entered his lodge and sat down on the bed, the same one he had evolved to both F and E grade on before, and accepted the notification. His vision turned black. Chapter 58 D-Grade Jake opened his eyes within a vast void of nothingness, the only thing visible being distant star-like objects. It was his third time there, and it was as beautiful and wondrous as ever. He was entirely naked except for his mask, which was still on his face for some reason. The first time he went there had been the most wondrous, as it had marked the day he became able to passively sense mana, while his E-grade evolution had been a bit less exciting. Like all the other times, the intensity of the mana around him was extreme, but after progressing through E-grade, he could now feel it much better. He felt the affinities in the mana around him, and he was taken aback because he felt so, so many. He noticed the space affinity, which reminded him of the mana Neil used, and even the concept of his own one-step mile. Dark affinity, water affinity, earth affinity, and a slew of energies he didn't understand at all. He felt all of them. But out of them all, the affinity he felt next was by far the most surprising. The arcane affinity. Or, more accurately, Jake's own arcane affinity. How is there arcane mana here? Does that mean... Jake closed his eyes and focused on his sphere to take it all in. Even energy reminding me of what the malefic viper released is here, Jake thought, as he awoke from his stupor. Was this place an amalgamation of all the energy he had ever used, absorbed, or encountered? Was he inside his soul, and were these all the concepts he had ever used and affinities he had explored? As his head was filled with these thoughts... The system finally made its presence known. It was time for the evolution to begin, but instead of just being shown what he would evolve to like all the other times, this one was different. Congratulations, you have unlocked the possibility to diverge your race and evolve into a different species. 
as a rarity among humans and monsters both, you must now make an important choice. Be warned not to lose yourself. Jake was surprised for the umpteenth time today as he quickly saw that two options were available for evolution. The first one was exactly what he had expected. Human, D. A human that has stepped into the mid-grades of the system. The human race is known as the most balanced and numerous race of the multiverse, being able to walk many different roads on their path to power. Stat bonuses per level, plus six to all stats, plus fifteen free points per level. He looked it over and nodded internally. It wasn't like the human evolutions were a secret, and he knew the stat gain for every level would just triple when one evolved to D-grade, going from 23 stat points per level to 69. A very nice number. But that wasn't the option worth noting. Malefic Dragonkin, D. Once a human, you embraced the Malefic Viper's legacy to become a race closer to your patron. Still maintaining a primarily human form, you have replaced your soft skin with scales, and have gained several other draconic properties, including wings and claws. This race is incredibly rare, and only earned by those who have truly begun walking the path of the Malefic Viper. By maintaining many of your humanoid traits, you can retain either a class or a profession. Stat bonuses per level, plus 20 wisdom, plus 20 willpower, plus 20 vitality, plus 15 toughness, plus 15 intelligence, plus 10 agility, plus 10 strength, plus 10 perception, plus 10 endurance, plus 23 points per level. Warning, some skills related to the lost profession or class may be removed or changed. Stat bonuses from classes will be reduced by 10% if chosen over a profession, while a profession will provide plus 10% more stats per level. All current race skills will be lost. As the initial message said, evolving into a new species was incredibly rare and difficult. It was a fundamental, qualitative change that would severely alter your path in the future and the malefic dragonkin evolution was sure as hell a drastic change. Jake had to read it over a few times before something clicked in his mind. This has to be the result of maxing out the nine stat-giving skills. Many of them added physiological traits such as scales or wings, or making his canines toxic. But he also knew it had a lot to do with the drop of blood he had seized from the malefic viper himself, because the description sure as hell reminded him of that bootleg half-dragon version of himself he had seen within that weird soul realm during the trial of myriad poisons. While he already knew what choice he would make, he evaluated the options anyway. The malefic dragonkin race gave 150 stat points per level, with the human one giving 69, a difference of 81 per level. However, becoming a dragonkin would also mean giving up one of the significant advantages of being human having both a class and profession. If one just looked at stats, Jake would need to get a class providing 81 stat points per level after the penalty, which was a lot. If he got a class within the same realm as his ambitious hunter, it would only give 54 stat points per level. All of that is to say the malefic dragonkin was clearly a top-tier race, one Jake had absolutely no interest in ever picking. He was human, and he saw no reason at all to throw that away. Jake also felt an almost palpable disgust from his bloodline at the mere thought of becoming a dragonkin. No, to Jake, the human race was the optimal choice. His entire bloodline and being was grounded in being a human, and changing his path by suddenly trying to become something entirely different wasn't on his to-do list. Also, he really didn't want to pick between alchemy and archery. He liked both. Jake didn't need to think any more as he began his evolution. 
All around him, the countless energies began swirling as they poured into him. He felt his body fill with strength, but he also felt himself change. His entire body was being broken down and rebuilt from the inside, yet he didn't experience any pain or discomfort. The only annoyance was his inability to move during the process. Instinctively, he knew that he was undergoing a qualitative change. He felt some of his organs begin to disappear, perhaps no longer deemed necessary by the system, but he also felt those that remained mattered less than before. Even in E-grade, losing a vital organ didn't result in instant death. It just meant that you needed a shipload of vitality to regenerate it. From now on, even these vital organs would take fewer health points to restore and be overall less critical. Even while choosing to stay human, I feel like I move further and further away from being so, Jake thought, as he felt both his liver and spleen vanish. He knew from an objective standpoint that all these changes would only lead to him becoming stronger and more capable at fighting, but it still rubbed a small part of him the wrong way. Outwardly, his changes were minimal. He grew only a few centimeters, while the features on his face were ironed out a bit, moving him from his E-grade evolutions slightly above average but still very normal-looking, to the deemed handsome by most category. Jake himself didn't really desire any significant changes to his body. However, subconsciously, he still had an idea, like every other human, about how they could look slightly better. It was natural, non-magical evolution to desire to be viewed as more outwardly appealing, especially as a primarily social species, even if he was a rather antisocial member of that species. He decided to take one final look at his status page as he waited for his body to stop changing. Status. Name, Jake Thane. Race, Human, E, Level 99. Class, Ambitious Hunter, Level 99. Profession, prodigious alchemist of the malefic viper, level 99. Health points, 13,860 of 13,860. Mana points, 16,475 of 16,475. Stamina, 10,150 of 10,150. Stats, strength, 876. Agility, 1,194. Endurance, 1,015. Vitality, 1,386. Toughness, 882. Wisdom, 1,318. Intelligence, 815. Perception, 2,637. Willpower, 982. Free points, zero. Titles, Forerunner of the New World, Bloodline Patriarch, Older of a Primordial's True Blessing, Dungeoneer 5, Dungeon Pioneer 5, Legendary Prodigy, Prodigious Slayer of the Mighty, Kingslayer, Nobility, Earl, Progenitor of the 93rd Universe, Prodigious Orcanist, Class Skills, Basic One-Headed Weapons, Inferior, Advanced Stealth, Common, Basic Twin Fang Style, Uncommon, Basic Shadow Vault of Umbra, Uncommon, Splitting Arrow, Uncommon, Hunter's Tracking, Uncommon, Big Game Hunter, Rare, Mark of the Ambitious Hunter, Rare, Archery of Vast Horizons, Rare, Descending Dark Fang, Rare, Limit Break, Rare, Arrow of the Ambitious Hunter, Epic, Arcane Power Shot, Epic, One Step Mile, Ancient, Moment of the Primal Hunter, Legendary, Gaze of the Apex Hunter, Legendary, Profession Skills, Herbology, Common, Brew Potion, Common, Alchemist Purification, Common, Alchemical Flame, Common, Toxicology, Uncommon, Cultivate Toxin, Uncommon, Concoct Poison, Uncommon, Malefic Viper's Poison, Rare, Scales of the Malefic Viper, Ancient, Palette of the Malefic Viper, Ancient, 
blood of the malefic viper, ancient, sagacity of the malefic viper, ancient, wings of the malefic viper, ancient, pride of the malefic viper, ancient, fangs of the malefic viper, ancient, sense of the malefic viper, ancient, touch of the malefic viper, ancient, blessing, true blessing of the malefic viper, blessing, true, race skills, endless tongues of the myriad races, unique, identify, common, thoughtful meditation, uncommon, trout of the primordial, divine, bloodline, bloodline of the primal hunter, bloodline ability, unique. Jake felt a weird sense of pride as he read it all over, pride in the progress he had made since he last found himself inside this void, all the way back in the challenge dungeon, shortly after meeting Vili for the first time, he had come a long way, and now his third evolution was approaching its completion, and he would step into D-grade, formally entering what was referred to as the mid-tier grades. The infusion and changes to his body soon came to an end, and that was the exact moment a part of him stirred. He felt a heartbeat as the surrounding energy appeared to have a second wind pouring into him again, right towards that weird, metaphysical area around his heart, where he knew his bloodline and the drop of blood from the malefic viper resided. To his surprise, a slight sliver of energy also entered his mask, but he didn't really think further on it as he got a notification. Bloodline ability evolved. The evolution has stirred your bloodline, allowing it to evolve along with you. Bloodline ability upgraded. Bloodline of the primal hunter. Bloodline ability unique. Dormant power lies in the very essence of your being. A unique, innate ability awakened in the bloodline of Jake Thane grants the sphere of perception, grants an improved sense of danger, enhances all instincts and intuition, plus 20% to perception. This was the third time it had upgraded, and like all the other times, he didn't really take notice of any changes besides the increase to his perception, which had gone from plus 15% to plus 20%. He did feel like his sphere expanded a bit, but he couldn't really tell, floating in a mana-filled void and all. Space was a bit distorted, throwing him off. With his bloodline upgraded, he also saw the level-up had finally come. Ding! Race human, D, has reached level 100. Stat points allocated, plus 15 free points. Along with that came a title, one Jake felt before he read... He felt warmth overflow as he experienced what could only be described as a massive influx of power. What he had felt after killing the king of the forest was nothing compared to this, and this was the moment it truly became clear to him how large the gap between E and D grade was, because unlike other evolutions, this one came with what he had theorized monsters and beasts had a long time ago, a large, one-time stat increase. Title earned, The Perfect Evolution, D. The Perfect Evolution, D. You have undergone a perfect evolution to become a D-grade human, plus 220 all stats. A title so simple, yet so damn powerful, it was ridiculous. Jake felt, and was, stronger than ever before. He couldn't help but recheck the quest to see what he would have ended up with if he hadn't completed the Perfect Evolution quest. Evolution, D. You have undergone evolution to become a D-grade human, plus 200 all stats. Jake read it and nodded internally. It wasn't that big a loss if one didn't get the extra 20 to all stats, but it wasn't something he had wanted to miss out on either, especially when he saw that these stats were indeed affected by his percentage amplifiers. He also couldn't resist looking at his stats page, comparing it to his pre-evolution state, 
Status, name, Jake Thane, race, human, D, level 100. Class, ambitious hunter, level 99. Profession, prodigious alchemist of the malefic viper, level 99. Health points, 13,860 of 17,590. Manner points, 20,850 of 20,850. Stamina, 13,430 of 13,430. Stats, strength, 1,204. Agility, 1,521. Endurance, 1,343. Vitality, 1,759. Toughness, 1,210. Wisdom, 1,668. Intelligence, 1,143. Perception, 3,092. Willpower, 1,332. Three points, 15. Needless to say, all the stats had experienced a massive increase. Significantly, Jake's perception and vitality had grown a lot, as he had 65% amplification on those, followed by willpower and wisdom, which both had a 55% increase. The rest of his stats were still gaining 45% extra, meaning that he'd ultimately earned over 50% more total stats from the evolution than someone without any stat amplifiers. It felt unfair on many levels, but Jake knew other powerhouses also had many titles and stat amplifiers. They had two. After Jake was done admiring his awesome stats, he went on to the last notification, a new skill. Humans really didn't get many race skills, though the few they got tended to be very useful. But he was a bit unsure about this one. Race skill gained, legacy of man, unique. The human race has been around since the very first era and has stood on the pinnacle from the beginning. This is not simply due to extraordinary individuals in your midst, but your ability to stand on the shoulders of your ancestors and pass down records. While each human's lifespan may be short, your race's collective knowledge is perennial, and through generations, humanity will prevail. Allows you to far more effectively pass down records, and makes anyone you teach far more likely to unlock new paths. Jake didn't have much interest in teaching others, not at all. But from an objective standpoint, he could see how useful the skill was. It also made sense to only gain it at D grade, as chances were the person wouldn't have anything worth passing on before then. He had considered maybe teaching someone a bit of alchemy to make potion production a thing, but also to have others know about herbs to help him gather materials. So perhaps the skill could be helpful for that. Besides that, the only exciting thing about it was the unique rarity. Well, it was a bit weird to call it unique when every single D-grade human had it, especially considering that humans were the most numerous race of the multiverse. But he guessed it was because the skill was unique to the human race. The next few minutes were spent with Jake just considering things to do in the future, and contemplating if he should level and evolve his class or profession first. He saw that with this evolution he had lost the option to instantly begin evolving his class at any moment, meaning he most likely had to go kill a few things to get a bit more experience. Or maybe he would get the option back once he was out of this weird space. So many things to think about while impatiently floating in the void, waiting to be transported back to the real world. Finally, he felt that he was about to return. His intuition made him aware of the subtle shift in the energy around him. His vision turned black for a fraction of a second before he found himself back in the lodge and... Yosh! Jake knelt down on the floor the moment he appeared, grasping his head as information flooded into him. 
not from the system or any skill, but from the overwhelming stimuli from something he thought he had gotten used to, his sphere of perception. Chapter 59, Expanding in Scope Jake's bloodline had been with him from the very first day of the system. Heck, it had since his birth. It had saved his life more times than he could remember, and had been the catalyst that made his rise to power possible. But one had to remember that while a bloodline could most certainly be helpful, it wasn't always. It wasn't a skill, and it wasn't regulated and controlled by the omnipotent system to make sure it wouldn't cause unnecessary harm to the user. Even the skills that could do so carried warnings, such as Jake's own limit break. So when Jake appeared back in his lodge, nothing was stopping his fear of perception from feeding him everything within its influence. Nothing but Jake and the other aspects of his bloodline. Its range had expanded manifold after his evolution. Before degrade, it had had a radius of around 30 meters, but it was now north of 200 meters. He saw the entire valley and its surroundings. He saw beneath the earth to a small cave system running approximately 140 meters below him. This, and so much more. All of these stimuli drilled themselves into his mind, and he felt sick to his stomach from the sensory overload. It was far too much for him to handle, and his mind simply couldn't filter through it all. In the void where he'd evolved, his fear had already expanded, but as it didn't really see anything, he hadn't taken notice of it. Jake grit his teeth as he tried to comprehend everything and control his sphere. Even when it had been only thirty meters, it had been a bit much for him at times, and he'd rarely taken notice of everything at once. But now, after it had evolved, he had lost control of it. He knew this was a horrible development, and he was utterly paralyzed as he tried to get his head under control. The first thing he did was enter meditation to cut off all his non-bloodline-related senses. He had long ago figured out how to make his fear way more passive during meditation, and he tried to replicate that once more. It helped a bit, but the influx of information was just too much. It was like a thousand pictures flashed before Jake's eyes at every moment in a nauseating fashion. To make it worse, every small swaying blade of grass or rustle of a leaf was picked up double, as he had trained himself and his fear to take extra notice of movement before this evolution a decision that had now come back to bite him in the ass. Jake knew the pain he was experiencing wasn't really in his head, but in his soul. If it weren't, he would have already plunged a dagger into his brain to make it stop and wait for his head to regenerate. But this wasn't that kind of pain. He did everything he could to try and filter through everything, but it was slow. There was one saving grace, however. Ever so slowly, he began adapting by subconsciously filtering out the useless information in his head, and he knew that his own instinct of self-preservation had kicked in, without a doubt the most prominent and influential part of his bloodline. Like when he was meditating, he stopped picking up everything in favor of the most important. Smaller movements were filtered out, and gradually his headache lessened and he became able to get at least a semblance of bearings. It still took him over an hour before he got up and stood wobbling on the floor. He hadn't expected the effects to be so extreme, even if a part of them had hoped for the bloodline to improve. Jake stood within his lodge as he closed his eyes and tried to focus a bit on the sphere again, and he felt a lot better about it already. Perception skills were standard for most combat classes, 
and even the ones that allowed some kind of spherical vision weren't that rare. In fact, Jake was beginning to suspect that the system hadn't offered him any from his class due to his bloodline, but that was a theory of his because he would sure as hell take one just to see how his bloodline would affect it. Not that he needed a better sphere, because it was honestly just insane. When he closed his eyes, he could see everything in a 200-meter radius around him, perhaps a bit longer if he focused on perceiving something in a specific direction. I guess I'll be pretty hard to sneak up on, even more than before, he internally joked as he rubbed his temple, still feeling the remnants of a killer headache. He took a seat in a chair as he relaxed his mind and got a good feel of his body for the first time. He was overflowing with strength, but he also felt different on a qualitative level. It was like every single stat point mattered slightly more after his body had been reforged. He would compare it to having a hidden bonus increasing the effectiveness of all his stats, but by how much, he didn't know. All he knew was that after the evolution, he felt nearly twice as strong overall, maybe even more. If Jake had to hypothesize, then those 200 to 220 in all stats from the title were just to set some kind of baseline of stats, even for those with weak classes and professions. Jake was confident the evolution's effects would be more prominent in someone without his titles and high stats before evolving, but that didn't mean it wasn't a humongous gain for him. Shaking his head, he returned to inspecting his body a bit more in-depth. His internals were still the same, for the most part, with blood pumping through his veins and his heart beating in his chest. But he also got the feeling that a lot of it was for show. Many organs were gone and replaced with muscle or other fleshy things, but that didn't mean everything that remained was vital. The brain was still essential, he could feel, but the rest was just... there. He felt like he could punch just as hard even if every single muscle in his arm were gone, although it would expend a lot more stamina and likely even damage him to do so. It wasn't entirely new, as he had been able to bypass many common physical barriers before. He had moved with broken bones, and even with a large part of his brain missing, he had been able to escape from the indigo fungus. At least half of his spine had been missing back then, meaning he should have been paralyzed. It just wasn't. It was a weakness of the human body already removed at E-grade. Now, more such physical imperfections had been removed. Jake was beginning to suspect that by C-grade, or maybe B-grade, the body would be entirely for show, and he would be able to regenerate as long as just the smallest part of his body remained, assuming he had the health points, of course. Maybe he could even stay alive without his body, as long as his metaphysical soul existed. Exiting the depths of his own thoughts, he got up and finally did a bit of stretching, making his increasingly useless muscles flex. He opened his hand and closed it a few times, feeling the power in it. If he had met himself a day ago, it would be a slaughter. Degrade was truly a divide. He exited his lodge and instantly saw only Sylphie sitting there and looking at him from on top of one of the trees. Sylphie flew down, yes, flew, and landed on his shoulder. Well, it was more gliding, but with a bed of wind magic it was practically the same thing. He had been afraid the small hawk would be wary of him, but she just seemed happy that he had finally come out. Jake rubbed the small bird, making her happy, then remembered something quite important. He remembered the strangeness of the mask during the evolution, how it had stayed on him in that weird realm, and how it had even absorbed some energy. A part of him hoped it had evolved with him or something, 
but it didn't give him any more stat points. It did keep giving 25% mana, which was great, as he knew some of these percentage amplifiers could get weaker after evolving. After taking off the mask, he used Identify on it, and didn't immediately notice anything off, but there was something. Mask of the Fallen King, legendary. A mask born from the records of the one once known as the King of the Forest, a mighty unique life form that died just as its path began. The mask is made of a wood-like material unique to the life form it comes from, does not obstruct a vision when worn, and regenerates itself from any damage taken. A fallen king slumbers within. Enchantments, living wood, passively absorbs mana in the atmosphere, increasing mana recovery rate by a large amount, increases maximum mana by 25%. Requirements, soulbound. A fallen king slumbers within, Jake thought, rechecking it a few times. Five words had been added that held a lot of meaning, and Jake's intuition practically screamed at him that this wasn't something he could just ignore, because what they implied wasn't simple. Perhaps the king of the forest wasn't truly dead. Jake smiled as he looked up into the sky, shaking his head. It was fine, even if the king returned, or the unique life form within the mask tried taking over his mind or something, he would be ready. It wasn't like he was going to be idle as the little king awakened. He had two other evolutions to get to, after all. There is no shame in reaching your limits. We will all encounter that insurmountable wall one day, Jacob said, as he placed his hand on the shoulder of the man who sat with tears in his eyes at a large forge. The older-looking man turned red in the face. I just don't understand. I try my best every day, I use the best materials I can find, but I just get nowhere. What am I doing wrong? Jacob looked at the smith and understood his reluctance. To come to terms with your own shortcomings was difficult. The man had appeared like a promising smith, having worked in the profession before the system, and had quickly leveled up in his tutorial and afterward. But, after reaching level sixty in his profession, he had begun slowing down, and now he had been stuck at sixty-eight for three weeks. Jacob knew the man had reached the end of his potential, and he needed to do something drastic to break through his barrier, but he hadn't. He said he had done his best, but the issue was that he needed to do better than his best. His forty years of experience before the system had brought him to his current level, but without developing further he would be forever stuck where he was. Sometimes it isn't a question of what one does right or wrong. Things just are as they are. You talk as if your creations have gotten worse, as if you are no longer the smith you once were. But you are. Without you, how many people would still lack a roof over their heads? How many families would still feel unsafe without you helping build the wall? You have done so many things for us already. You don't need to push yourself to be better all the time. You are fine just as you are. Jacob said this comfortingly, his many skills on full display, affecting the man in ways both he and Jacob weren't fully aware of. Hey, why can't I go further? What am I lacking? the smith asked, still hoping to understand. You need a catalyst to bring about change, one you can only hope and strive for, but never expect. You will need to risk a part of yourself to achieve more. You will need sacrifice. But is that truly what you want? There are more ways to progress than simple levels, my friend. The man motioned for him to elaborate, so he did. Instead of looking only at yourself, look towards the collective. 
You may be unable to gain a level yourself, but are you unable to make others gain strength? You have knowledge and expertise that would be priceless to countless aspiring smiths. This isn't to say your own craftsmanship isn't needed anymore. Weapons will always be in demand, the city will keep expanding for a long time to come, and it isn't like your commissions have reduced over these last few weeks, have they? The smith looked at Jacob, still a bit unsure, before finally nodding. Things have been as usual, and I guess I have been hammering away for a while. If it's fine to begin looking toward the next generation, those young ones could use someone more experienced to teach them. He spoke with a bit of defeat in his voice, but also with newfound confidence. And I am more than certain they would welcome you with open arms to do so, Jacob said, before bowing to the man and turning to the door. If you ever feel troubled, just come by the church. I am sure either I or another will be able to help you, and once more, thank you for all you have done for Santodomo. No, thanks to you, Hogger, the man said as he returned the bow, looking quite a bit more at peace than when Jacob had first come. The augur walked out and was greeted by a few guards who all bowed towards him. They used the word guard, but they were more of a police force than anything else. That again, thinking about it, weren't guards of old just simplified police? As he walked through the cobblestone streets and observed the city, he took in the atmosphere and enjoyed the progress they had made over the last few months. After taking down the guarding deed raid, Jacob had claimed the pylon and gained the pioneering city lord of earth that awarded sixteen free points a level, a reward for being one of the first ten to claim a pylon on their planet. That small pylon had served as the fundament of the city they had ended up naming Sunt Domo, a fusion of the words holy and home in Latin. Jacob served as both the nominal and spiritual leader of the city, though he did have many assistants for both roles. It wasn't easy leading a city with nearly twenty million citizens, after all. If Jacob had to take a guess, then Sunt Domo was the largest city currently on earth, and it was still expanding by the day. All those who had been blessed by gods from the Holy Pantheon had led their followers towards this city and brought along any they could on the way. There were even cases of those blessed by other gods giving way or following along, swearing allegiance. It was truly a testament to the size and influence of the Holy Church in the multiverse as a whole. The massive growth of the city had naturally also resulted in enormous growth for himself. His profession and class worked in tandem quite well, which had resulted in him leveling quite fast, and being the first degrade human of the city, if not Earth as a whole. Not that Jacob saw it as any massive accomplishment himself. It was just his fate to grow as he did. He had even gone for the perfect evolution when his class and profession reached 99 at nearly the same time, and now his class had already reached 105, just over a month after he'd evolved. Ding! Class Augur of Hope has reached level 105, stat points allocated, plus 24 free points. Jacob's class wasn't the type to evolve like others. Instead, it would stay the same in name and function till the day of his fated death. There was no Grand Augur of Hope or Saint Augur of Hope or anything like that. An Augur of Hope was simply an Augur of Hope. He wasn't even able to choose another evolution. The day he became an Augur, he'd cut off all those paths to himself. Not that he complained. While the class carried many limitations, none of them felt like such to him. Jacob did not want to fight, so his inability to do so was no handicap in his book. 
The stats were also as insane as before, providing him 24 in vitality, willpower, wisdom, and freed points, a total of 96, which was just four below the absolute limit he had read about. As for his race, he had, of course, just become a D-grade human. An evolution to a different race for humans was notoriously tricky, and it wasn't even like it was necessarily better, just different. But there was one place he did have a choice, with his profession. And there, he had been offered just another straight upgrade to his profession. Ding! Profession Pioneering City Lord of Earth has reached level 103, plus 53 points. Jacob did not feel demotivated, however. Due to the overlap of his Augur and City Lord roles, much of the experience he earned was split between them, and it also meant that the records he relied on to evolve were shared. To gain both a supreme class and profession was difficult unless both paths were sufficiently different, such as a warrior with a smithing profession, or a hunter with an alchemy profession. Of course, it would take far longer to level both, and the individual would have to be multi-talented. Augur, a woman said, bowing to him as he walked by. This finally threw him out of his stupor. It was one of the cathedral guards protecting the city's central building, the Holy Cathedral. She looked at him with fervor in her eyes, but Jacob just nodded in recognition as he walked through the massive gates. He soon found himself within a large hall. Inside was a circular table with over a dozen men and women already sitting. Jacob was the last to arrive, as the smith had delayed him, yet none dared to speak up. He was the leader, after all. He walked in and quickly took his seat in the high chair, Bertram already standing beside it. Human, double seventy-six. Jacob drew their attention by stating, Let the meeting begin. Chapter 60 Keep Things Simple The new housing complex in the Western District is nearing completion, but we have run into a shortage of stone, the manager of the Western District said. A few builders are attempting to reinforce regular stone to make it usable, while several alchemists are working on transmuting soil into solid rock. Sadly, the Southern District has run into the same issues, and we are working on similar solutions, the manager of the Southern District said with a bit of doubt. If the expansion continues like this, we cannot turn away those who come here seeking refuge, and we must keep expanding, one of the three cardinals of the Holy Church said. We must hammer while the iron is hot and make sure we have a solid foundation for the future, so we must endure. Jacob just sat back in his chair, taking it all in while drinking some tea. St. Domo was a holy city, but that didn't mean it was entirely run by the holy church. They were very much highest on the hierarchy, but Jacob also believed that more mundane leadership was necessary to make a city work. This is why some of the district managers had turned out to be less religious than many from the church would prefer, but Jacob didn't care. They were dedicated on their paths to leading the city to greatness, and that was the most important. He finally opened his mouth, all of them looking to him to solve their dispute. Hidden away in between the two southmost mountains is a vast valley. Elementals and beasts dominate it, but a cavern shall be found, and a natural dungeon discovered once slain. It should only be braved by those above fifty in their race or seventy in class. Within this dungeon we will find the solution to our struggle. All the people around the table looked at the auger and nodded eagerly. Truly, the manager of the western district said, in that case we should send some of our parties there to secure the area. 
We should also make sure each dungeon group has at least one builder with a storage skill. I believe you will all say to it, Jacob said. Now, let us move on to the main topic at hand. The World Congress will soon commence. The undeads are expanding far to the east of us, with the Court of Shadows even further in that direction. They should not be an issue for now, as long as we keep our guard up. Several other factions have also been building themselves up, and I believe we have made contact with a few of them already. Indeed, another of the cardinals said. After securing the third pylon, we have made contact with a collective of smaller factions who have banded together to claim one, and negotiations are going well there. But towards the south... The cardinal hesitated to speak, so Jacob gladly put his teacup down and took over. In all due time, when the World Congress arrives, all things will become far clearer to all of us. For now, just try not to antagonize the Sword Saint more than necessary. There was a clear warning in his voice. The Sword Saint was no easy opponent, and his faction was powerful too. Jacob was unsure if they were related to a larger faction of the multiverse, but he had his doubts for some reason. The Holy Pantheon had not granted him any knowledge about them, as they did with most other factions. It was mainly simple information they gave, as rules, or perhaps just an agreement of sorts, stopped them from sharing more. But he'd expected to at least hear something based on the size of the faction. They had claimed at least two, possibly three, pylons already, and they were truly a force to be reckoned with. Especially their leader was dangerous. He was a man that could face down degrades alone without evolving, and from the last report, he was close to that evolution. To make it all the more perplexing, Jacob's divinations failed when he tried to peer into the fate of the Sword Saint. That in itself wasn't unnatural. He couldn't peek into the river of the destiny of many powerhouses or faction leaders due to their legacies or blessings. But it was precisely due to these things he couldn't. The Sword Saint was impossible to divine by his own power, something that made Jacob very wary of him. Any movement from that small settlement to the north? the northern manager asked, making Jacob zone back into the conversation again, because he knew what settlement they were speaking of. He decided just to drink some tea and listen in, as he quite honestly was interested in hearing what his old colleague was up to. A scouting party returned, and it seems to be expanding a bit these days, but in no way enough to be a threat, at least not by size, a representative of the military said. It's called Haven, and is led by a woman called Miranda Wells, who seems competent, but it is a bit early to tell. However, there are rumors of a city guardian or owner who actually runs it behind the scenes, one who even has several degrade beasts under his command. There are rumors this Miranda Wells is the mistress of this city owner, and is... <laughs> Jacob nearly spewed out his tea, getting the attention of everyone. No, no, sorry. Please continue. I am just getting used to the changes after degrade. That's all. Flustered, he leaned back in his chair as much as he could, Bertram barely able to hold back a smile at his side. Jake with a mistress? Would he? Well, it would be good for him, I guess, but for some reason I just can't see it happening. Unless she is the aggressive type, that is. Yeah, Jake has no resistance to that at all, Jacob thought, completely ignoring half the report about Haven. What was said next did bring his head back to the talk, though. With their small size, shouldn't we just bring them under our wing? It's the closest pylon to ours, and I doubt we would meet much resistance considering our more prominent size and relative power. No, leave them be. 
And do not antagonize Haven, Jacob said, not leading anything up to discussion. They all just threw a look his way, nodded, and moved on to another topic. All of them had learned long ago that arguing with the auger was a lost cause. It didn't make much sense trying to use logic or reason against someone who could see the future and peer into fate, after all. Jacob looked on as a large 3D map of the planet was opened up, though only one area was actually marked on it, the landmass they were currently on. Not even the gods were fully aware of Earth's post-system geography, but the city had begun getting a good idea over the last few months. It helped that new citizens came in from far and wide, having thousands with scouting skills, and even a few hundred people working full-time with map-making skills on top of that. What they had learned was that humanity was not spread out all over the planet, as many had believed, but was instead gathered in relatively close proximity. Sure, the distance had increased significantly, and they were spread out over an area larger than Earth was before, but with the planet now around the size of the sun before the system, that was still only a tiny area. There were still thousands upon thousands of kilometers separating each pylon, but travel had also gotten significantly faster. While moving a large number of people was still hard, a single powerhouse or powerful party could travel far in just a single day. This meant that Sankt Domo had managed to make contact with many larger factions Jacob had become aware of through his divinations already. Some significant forces were still too far away, but he believed they would reach them one day. The Sword Saint was still too far away to scout out directly. Hence, all their knowledge came from seers with the ability to look over vast distances, divinations, or other skills, allowing them to get a general idea of their movements. But ultimately, all of this was just the preliminary stages and a way to make connections with other factions for the big events to come. Soon, Jacob thought, soon the one hundredth shall be claimed and a congress will commence. Heads. He flipped the coin and it landed on heads. He picked it up, and before he even flipped it, he knew. Heads again. It landed on heads. Tails. Tails. Jake was currently experiencing quite a major crisis. The method that had been used by countless people to flawlessly choose between two equally attractive options was now failing him. He looked down at the small coin with contempt as he picked it up again, but before he even flipped it, he knew. Heads. And, of course, it was heads. Thinking back, he hadn't actually tried flipping a coin since the integration, and he was quite happy when he finally got one, as he used to love using them to make decisions. Take out or cook himself? Flip a coin. Two movies running, and he wanted to see both equally? Flip a coin. But now his accursed bloodline made that unable to work, because he knew where it would land moments before he flipped it. It made the entire thing pointless, as it wasn't random anymore. As for the decision he was trying to make, well, it wasn't really anything important, just the question of evolving his class or profession first. Jake could imagine that was a very important decision to most denizens of the multiverse, but it honestly didn't matter to him. He would get both evolved anyway. Getting good or bad options wasn't really in his control anymore either. Sure, he could choose not to evolve both until he was done spending years improving his skills, but who the hell had the patience for that? He had only evolved a few hours ago, and hadn't left his valley during that time, only spending a bit of the time with the birds. He couldn't help but use his sphere to identify the small hawk sitting in one of the chairs, 
observing him as he kept flipping the coin. Selfie and Ayas, level 27. She had finally broken into E grade, even if it hadn't really come with any changes. Dake had a feeling that Sylphie wasn't actually E-grade and hadn't been F-grade either. She'd been born at D-grade. She hadn't undergone any evolutions at the usual times, but had just kept growing naturally. He was a bit sad about Hawkey and Misty not being around, as he would have loved to finally be able to identify them. But that could wait. For now, he had a decision to make, so he asked the only other person in the room. So... Class or profession first, he asked the hawk, which just looked up at him in confusion. Jake understood and changed the question. Better fight or better drinks? Bree! Fight it is, Jake agreed, not entirely sure what Sylvie actually wanted. He just knew that whenever he flipped the coin, he always hoped it would land on the side to upgrade his class. While he genuinely loved doing alchemy, nothing could ever truly compare to fighting a strong foe in a life-and-death battle. The thing was, he didn't even need to do anything. The option was already there, right in front of him. He had gained plenty of class experience to get the evolution options. He had just suppressed it to evolve his race first. If he wanted to evolve his profession, he would need to do some alchemy first. He couldn't select to evolve it while in that weird evolution space, but the option was back once outside. Jake was about to accept the prompt to evolve, yet in the final moment he hesitated. Have I really done enough? he asked himself. Couldn't he have upgraded more skills? Maybe he should try and use his arcane affinity to upgrade his splitting arrow and some of his other skills. His hesitation and his stupid coin flipping had just been him making excuses to himself. He did know that the viper said it would be a waste, but a small part of him was still filled with doubt. He had just rushed into evolution at E-grade and gained the ambitious hunter class. Sure, the class had been good enough, but after researching more on different classes and discovering how good they could actually get, it did feel a tinge of regret. What if he had postponed his evolution back then, entered the inner zone of the tutorial, and hunted down a few beasts above level 50? While it would undoubtedly have been difficult, Jake did believe that he could have done it by dragging out the fight and relying on his poison. Back then, he'd at least had the excuse of being under time pressure. He wasn't as pressured now, not even close. So he asked himself again, Have I really done enough? But would he ever feel like it was enough? There was always more to be done, another skill to upgrade, another magic technique to learn, and a stronger beast to slay. With his logic, he would never get there, so he returns to the logic that had gotten him where he was now, even if it had brought trouble with it, too. Make things simple, and take the complications as they come, he said aloud, as he stopped hesitating and was greeted by the prompt. Class evolution requirements met. Your journey continues as your ambition has taken you far. You have hunted beasts far more powerful than could ever be expected, and you have proven yourself a true hunter. While you have chosen a bow as your weapon, you have also shown immense promise in the realm of magic, not shying away from experimenting and expanding your combat tactics. All of your powers are tied together by your instinct and your simple primal path. May you find worthy prey, primal hunter. Begin evolution now. Y. N. Warning. Postponing evolution for too long may have adverse effects, and no further class experience can be earned before evolution is completed. 
He smiled as he read the small message and agreed, officially beginning his class evolution. Chapter 61 D-Grade Class Selection As he accepted the evolution, he was instantly greeted by five options, the maximum. This was, of course, expected, as he had done plenty of things to warrant them. He had hunted down powerful foes, and even slain the king of the forest, even if his mask now tarried an ominous message. His confidence was growing, and he did the same as always by going through the options one by one, the first of which was a direct upgrade to his ambitious hunter class. Avaricious hunter, a direct upgrade to the ambitious hunter class. Your ambition to always face a stronger foe has turned to avarice as you seek stronger and stronger challenges, your desire for danger on your journey only growing. A class focused on ranged combat, mainly using bow and arrow, coupled with light options for melee such as short swords and daggers. The class is fast and flexible, focusing on agility over strength. You persist on this precarious path, yet your resolve is strong and your hunger for challenges persists. Just beware that your avarice does not consume you. Stat bonuses per level, plus 18 perception, plus 16 agility, plus 12 endurance, plus 12 strength, plus 10 free points. After Jake was done reading it, especially the stat gains, he was taken aback. As he had read, stats given for D-grade classes and professions would be more or less tripled, so why did the direct upgrade to Ambitious Hunter give way more than triple stats? It gave him 18 total, while this one gave 68 total. If the math of tripling was true, shouldn't it only give 54? It wasn't that he thought the class sounded bad. In fact, he thought it was awesome. Sure, the whole thing about being consumed by your own avarice and all that was a bit on the darker side, but it did kind of fit him. Deciding to fight the king had been nothing more than avarice, and his impatience to face bigger challenges was bordering, if not already, on pretty damn sinful. This made him think. He knew classes that had drawbacks offered more stats due to their drawbacks, but didn't this one also have flaws? He had theorized from reading Jacob's booklet and a bit of independent research, that his ambitious hunter had likely suffered from an innate experience penalty from fighting equal or lower-leveled foes. This seemed even more likely to have drawbacks like that. Well, he called it drawbacks, but ultimately it wasn't anything that would affect him. Who would want to battle enemies weaker than yourself all the time? What was even the point of that? That just sounded boring as hell, even if it was a lot safer, which made sense as being safe automatically made it boring in his mind. In conclusion, great class, but only the first on the list of five, each option being higher tiered than the last. So, with great expectations, Jake moved on to the second option, one directly rewarding his mana practice. Prestigious Arcane Mage, a prodigy and magic, you have now begun forging your own path as you delve into the arcane. You are a prestigious figure in any circle of mages, a true caster worthy of respect. The Prestigious Arcane Mage is a class focused on magical combat, more accurately, your own arcane mana built around the concepts of power, tyranny, and raw simplicity. The class is powerful and highly focused on magical combat, offering no physical stats. Your one-sided focus on magic shall be as pure as your arcane mana. May your path stay pure, your foundation stable, and your enemies be destroyed as your arcane power descends. Stat bonuses per level, plus 18 intelligence, plus 15 perception, plus 14 wisdom, plus 14 willpower, plus 12 free points. Warning. 
Skills pertaining to the ambitious hunter class may be lost or changed upon becoming a prestigious arcane mage. If avaricious hunter was purely a physical combat class, this would be a purely magical combat class. Extra emphasis on the pure, as that was what his arcane mana was all about. The stat points were great, and truly emphasized that having an arcane affinity at E-grade was extraordinary, providing 73 per level total, five more than the avaricious hunter one. While Jake would normally spend a lot of time going over pros and cons, Jake knew he wasn't a mage. Okay, maybe a part-time mage, but before a mage, he was a hunter. Heck, it was in his bloodline. Did being an arcane slinging badass sound cool, and did he enjoy his time summoning bolts and obliterating cloud elementals? Sure, but he still liked bows more. It was also the only one that would result in lost or changed skills. Screw that, Jake liked those skills. So he moved on to the next one, which was instantly quite a bump from the one below it. Bestial Alpha Hunter. You stand before the beasts like their kin, and show yourself the Alpha. You do not need the finesse and techniques developed by the Enlightened Ones, but are more than happy to rely on your instincts. A class focused primarily on melee combat, you prefer to use basic weaponry such as bows and the occasional dagger, if any weapon at all, relying on your high perception and reaction times to dominate the battle. Yet your desire does not end at simply dominating your peers. You want to stand at the apex. Your power shall grow as you stand before those more powerful than yourself, like a beast adapting to its environment. Be careful not to lose that which makes you human. Stat bonuses per level. Plus 15 perception. Plus 13 strength. Plus 13 agility. Plus 10 endurance. Plus 10 vitality. Plus 10 toughness. Plus 12 free points. Jake had to admit, this one sounded very metal, and if his bloodline had a dedicated class, this would be it without a doubt, short of having one just called the Primal Hunter, of course. The name was also fantastic, and most certainly appealed to a more childish part of him. Who doesn't like to be called an Alpha Hunter? The stats provided were an entire tier ahead of the two prior offered classes, giving an insane 83 stat points total per level, putting it firmly in the absolute upper echelon of classes available. This was a top-tier class, no way around it. But it was also a bit, how can one say it, special. All of the stats were physical. This wasn't surprising, as the classes kind of called Jake stupid in the nicest way possible. It more or less told him that he had thrown away being smart and using proper tactics and weapons, relying nearly solely on his instincts instead. And just because it was true didn't mean it was right. Upon reading it, the first thing that struck him was how much it would synergize with his bloodline. The last time he picked a skill with Bestial in it, it had upgraded straight from rare to legendary rarity. He had a feeling that feat could possibly repeat with quite a few skills offered by this class. But the class also felt limited. It ignored Jake's more magical talents and didn't make use of his newly gained arcane affinity at all. Even worse, he was pretty damn sure it was a melee class, considering he had mentioned how he didn't even need to use a weapon. Dake really, really liked his bow, and while he could still use it, he didn't want a class that wasn't significantly linked to using one. It would feel... wrong. All in all, awesome class, but Dake wanted something that would make more active use of his bowmanship and magic. With all that in mind, he moved on to the second-to-last option. Avaricious Arcane Hunter your path is pure, and your ambitions are ever-growing. You hunt for power through all the paths available to you, embracing any means that allow you to slay your foes, 
even embracing the arcane along your journey. Your perennial desire for progress has turned to avarice as you single-mindedly hunt down all those you wish to see dead. This class combines the pure path of the hunter with the pure path of arcane magic, driven by the endless avarice inherent to your being. The bow is your chosen weapon, amplified with arcane magic, but you also retain your abilities to face enemies in close combat, making all foes despair at your powerful yet diverse methods of attack. You will find yourself more powerful than ever as you stand before those stronger than yourself, and by decree of your path you shall come out victorious. Stay true to yourself, strive for the top, and you shall reach the apex, or face death, consumed by your own avarice. Stat bonuses per level, plus 20 perception, plus 12 agility, plus 12 intelligence, plus 10 wisdom, plus 10 endurance, plus 6 willpower, plus 6 strength, plus 10 free points. See, now we're cooking, Jake thought, with a big smile as he read the class. While it sounded less extreme and fancy than the Alpha Bestial Hunter, it felt far stronger. It also provided 86 stat points per level in total. It was only three more, and they were far more spread out, but that was okay to him. His current stats were already very balanced, besides his ridiculously high perception, that is, and this class provided the most perception out of all of them, giving a massive 20 per level. Jake liked that a lot. It was like a fusion between the first two classes, albeit heavily leaning towards the hunter's side, which he was totally fine with. It retained the whole theme about avarice. One could even argue it had been turned up a bit, but that also wasn't an issue. In fact, he welcomed it. While he didn't like the low stats from his E-grade class, he liked the skills it offered. Big Game Hunter made him noticeably stronger when fighting foes at a higher level. Mark of the Ambitious Hunter increased his damage done, made him aware of where his foe was, and even gave extra experience. Arrow of the Ambitious Hunter was just straight up awesome, and the survival instinct that turned into Moment of the Primal Hunter also came from the class, so it wasn't like he couldn't get those if he didn't go with the Bestial Alpha Hunter class. If Avaricious Hunter offered skills in the same vein as Ambitious Hunter, it would be great, so he was happy to retain that aspect of the class. The aspect of constantly wanting to fight stronger foes, even if it came with the possible penalty of receiving less or possibly no experience from equal or lower-leveled foes. Again, Jake didn't really see that as a penalty. To also have the class make use of his arcane affinity just made it all better. It would allow him to make better use of all his stats, especially the mental ones. Jake didn't carry any delusions towards what kind of profession he would get, and as he wanted to remain an alchemist, it was certain he would receive plenty of magical stats from that. Overall, the class was damn great, but there was one option left. It was a class Jake had kind of expected, but was still a bit surprised to see at the bottom, indicating it was the one with the highest tier. Under Champion of the Malefic Viper, in the realm of mortals you are the instrument to carry out the will of the Malefic One. As his champion, you use his legacy as your base and wield poison and corruption as your weapons of choice. You do not care for your equipment, as long as it allows you to deliver death upon your foes, and you find yourself adept in most combat styles, even if you prefer the bow to be the harbinger of the Malefic One's will. Your will and wisdom shall become the cornerstone of your path as you slaughter all who dare stand before you or your desire to carry out the will of your patron. His will is yours, for as his champion your path is as much the Malefic One's to define as it is yours to travel. May the will of the Malefic Viper be done. Stat bonuses per level, 
plus 18 willpower, plus 18 wisdom, plus 10 vitality, plus 10 endurance, plus 12 free points, plus 20 contingent points distributed through communion with your patron. There was a lot to unpack with this one, but before he even began his usual analysis, his answer to it was already clear. A resounding fuck no. Jake knew the class was likely great, but it wasn't what he was looking for. The stats offered weren't what he wanted, and that part about contingent points just rubbed in the wrong way. He didn't believe that Billy would actually make any decisions for Jake, but there was no fucking way he would ask every single time he had to distribute points. Also, what if Billy didn't agree to throw every single point into perception? Jake didn't want to have that discussion. Compared to avaricious arcane hunter, it only offered two more stat points per level, giving 88 total. This firmly placed the class in the absolute top tier, and Jake couldn't help but wonder as he read it through. How much of it actually had to do with himself, and not the Viper? It barely mentioned Jake except for the hunter-champion part, but even that was still a bit generic. It was truly a class solely focused on being a mortal warrior for the malefic Viper, and every single part of it emphasized that. Jake wasn't, and would never be, the champion of the malefic Viper. He would never be his warrior in the mortal realm, carrying out his bidding. Would he do a favor for Vili if he asked? Sure, that's what friends do. But he didn't want to be his employee, or worse, a mere tool. He was also certain Vili didn't want that. The fact that he would likely have been offered his class while barely doing anything emphasized that a true blessing of a god, not to mention a primordial, was kind of a big deal. It helped Jake sympathize with Miranda. From an outsider's perspective... The whole thing about the blessing looked like a lot more than it actually was. At, based on what the Viper had said, it was more like an investment, and if Jake did enough great things, the Viper would get a return on his true blessing, and then some. Jake shook his head as he turned his attention back to the class before this one. Avaricious Arcane Hunter. While it gave marginally fewer stat points, it had nearly everything he wanted in a class. It also just vibed with him way more, and he liked it. Sure, it had a bit of negativity around it with the whole don't-be-consumed-by-avarice thing, but hey, it could be worse, and dying in an epic battle with a superior foe didn't sound like a bad way to go out. Without hesitating any more, he picked Avaricious Arcane Hunter. Congratulations, you have successfully evolved your class. Ding! Class Avaricious Arcane Hunter has reached level 100, stat points allocated, plus 10 free points. Chapter 62 Avaricious Arcane Hunter Jake momentarily basked in the feeling of his new class, even if it was only a few stat points gained. But as with the last class upgrade, it came with a bit more than a few stats and a fancy new notification for every new level. It came with skills. Well, the first of which wasn't really a skill, but an upgrade to an existing one. Big Game Hunter, Rare a true hunter seeks not the easy prey, but a true challenge. Having hunted bigger and stronger prey than most, the ambitious hunter has become more accustomed to facing higher-level enemies, increases the user's resistance to auras, and gives a small increase to strength and agility while facing enemies above your highest class or race level. The bonus is based on the disparity between the level of your prey and you. Limit of 1.25 times your level or 50 levels, whichever is highest. May your hunt be fruitful and your ambitions reached. Upgraded to Big Game Arcane Hunter, Epic. A true hunter seeks not the easy prey, but a true challenge. 
Your hunt has taken you further than ever before as your methods improve and you have embraced the arcane. The avaricious arcane hunter has, through his many hunts, become more accustomed to facing higher level enemies, increases the user's resistance to auras, and gives a small increase to strength, agility, intelligence, and willpower while facing enemies above your class or race level. The bonus is based on the disparity between the level of your prey and you. Limit of 1.25 times your level or 50 levels, whichever is highest. May your hunt be fruitful and your avarice sated. Big Game Hunter was one of those oft-forgotten skills that just did awesome things behind the scenes. It was a noticeable buff that he experienced nearly constantly, making him faster and stronger when fighting enemies of a higher level, a.k.a. always. He hadn't really ever noticed the resistance to auras part of the skill. Still, any increase in stats was always welcome, and now that increase had been extended to also include his intelligence and willpower. In summary, it was free stats. Free stats ruled. With the first gained skill at epic rarity, he was already quite pleased with himself, and it only got better when he saw that the second skill was epic rarity too. Arcane Hunter's Arrows, Epic. A mage and a hunter both, you combine your talents as you conjure your tools of destruction. Allows the avaricious arcane hunter to conjure arrows made of highly condensed arcane mana, focusing on either destruction or stability. A stable arrow will be sharp and durable, while a destructive arrow will explode upon impact. Conjuring arrows consume mana, and the conjuration is instant. Adds a bonus to the effectiveness of intelligence and wisdom when using destructive arcane hunter's arrows. Adds a bonus to the effectiveness of wisdom and perception when using stable arcane hunter's arrows. If Jake had to mention one big weakness he had currently, it would without a doubt be his shitty equipment. Sure, compared to the rest of humanity, he was doing quite well for himself, but as a D-grade powerhouse progenitor, he was a poor sap. His new scimitar did help a bit, but the rest of his equipment was still far behind. He was even afraid that his bow would soon become lackluster, and he would become unable to make full use of his arcane power shot. Most of that gear was even rare rarity, but some were still uncommon rarity. The worst offender of them all was, of course, his shitty cloak, because it sucked, but a close second was his quiver. It had served him well for a long time, but all his arrows had broken on impact for a long-ass time, and he could already imagine how fragile they would feel in D-grade. Arcane Hunter's arrows was pretty much just a new quiver boiled into his skill, except it now scaled with him way more. He was incredibly excited to see the ability to make two different kinds of arrows. Explosive ones would surely be great at handling crowds of enemies or larger foes, while the stable ones would just be great overall. The stable arrows even scaled with his perception, a stat he could never get enough of. His intelligence for the destructive arrows was a bit low, but it wasn't terrible, and with his new stat gains from the class, it would surely only improve. Jake couldn't help but hold out his hand. A pink-purple crystal-like arrow instantly appeared in it. There was barely any visual aspect at all to the skill. The arrow just appeared in his hand almost instantly, just like the description promised. This arrow was of the stable variety, and it looked and felt entirely solid. It had simple fletching on it and a single-edged arrowhead, making it very suitable for cutting and penetrating, perfect to deliver poisons with, just like Jake's current arrows. The manor within was entirely sealed, too, making it not affect any poison coated on the arrow at all. It was perfect. Summoning it had consumed a bit of mana, but outside of doing alchemy, Jake had never ever been close to running out, so it wasn't an issue. 
Well, there was that time he bombarded that storm elemental, but that was a bit of an outlier. He did a few tests and tried to break the arrow, but found it incredibly resilient. To prove his point further, he took out one of the arrows from his quiver and, with only a bit of pressure, easily snapped it in half. Next, he summoned an arrow of the destructive variety, and instantly he both felt and saw the difference. The arrow itself looked much the same, except for small, purple lightning bolts crackling within the crystal. The mana it gave off was also stronger than the stable version. It had consumed more mana to summon, but it was only about 50% more. He nearly wanted to go out and hunt something then and there, but he decided to be a bit patient. Mainly because he had just seen Misty and Hawkey entering the valley from above, 200 meters above, due to the insane increase in the range of his sphere of perception. Jake dismissed the arrow and closed his system menus. The class had only given two new skills, which were the same as his ambitious hunter one, so it wasn't exactly disappointing. Besides, he had many other skills to upgrade now that he had gained the new class, and plenty of D-grade levels to get it done with. Exiting the lodge with Sylphie, he saw the two parent hawks land in a tree beside his lodge and observe him closely. This was the first time they'd seen him after his evolution, after all, and both were very curious. Jake, in turn, observed them back and used Identify. Stormsong Hawk, level 102. Hawkey was level 102, which made sense, as he had evolved not long ago. The fact that he had even gained two levels was respectable, considering his lack of proper opponents in the area, and how much he stayed back at the lodge to be with Sylphie. Jake reckoned it had had something to do with his journeys to the big tree on the cloud continent above. The hawk liked spending time up there, absorbing the incredibly potent mana the tree gave off. Mist Song Hawk, level 111. Misty was quite a few levels higher, but she had also been degrade for longer. She also clearly gained experience from just practicing her magic, and even when she was just back at the lodge, she kept making magical circles and improving. Both of them also looked at him, and both seemed partly confused and partly relieved. What's up? he asked them. He got some wing flapping, pointing and screeching, and even a few colored flashes of mana back in return, perfectly explaining what their concerns were. Oh, yeah, we humans don't change much in appearance when evolving. It's what's inside that matters, you know, Jake said a bit jokingly. But if you have any concerns about the effects, how about a quick test? I would love to stretch a bit and get a feel for my body after the evolution. Jake rolled his shoulders and felt the power in his every move. He really wanted to go practice a bit, and he had two true blue D-grades right in front of him to have a quick bout with. Hawkey and Misty looked at each other for a minute before agreeing. They were also curious about Jake's evolution. Whee! Sylphie screeched out as she puffed herself up. The three D-grades looked at the level 27 bird and shook their heads, Jake deciding to be the one to break the unfortunate news. Sorry, Sylphie, adults only. When you grow up, I am sure you will be a force to be reckoned with, but it isn't your time yet. He watched the small hawk deflate with every word as she looked up at him with her big eyes. He couldn't help but pat her head, and even if that made her a bit happy, it clearly didn't dispel her disappointment. The two hawks jumped over and also made some encouraging yet stern bird noises, making Sylphie both deflate but also look more determined than before. She screeched at all three of them as she jumped back, summoning some wind magic around herself, and began practicing right there and then. While Jake appreciated the sentiment, 
He wasn't so sure about seeing the ground and a few trees be cut up by green-tinged blades of wind. The lodge is protected, so it should be fine, he thought, as he shook his head. He threw a glance at the two D-grade hawks, both of whom took to the air with him to fly towards the cloud continent. Dake's evolution was immediately obvious as he flew faster than ever before. He was outpacing Misty, who was even using magic to make herself fly faster. Hawkey was still a bit faster than Jake, but that was expected, considering speed was the male hawk's greatest strength. It didn't take them long before they landed on the massive cloud continent. All the birds in the area scurried away when they saw them, not daring to get near. One degrade was enough to scare them off, with three being enough to make them consider just leaving the island outright. Jake stared at the two hawks that had landed opposite him as he dispelled his wings and smiled. Aye, ready when you are. The two hawks gave each other a quick look before they attacked with what was clearly a practiced move. Jake smiled at how the two hawks were clearly used to fighting together. Misty being a grade ahead had hampered their ability to fight as a party, but now that they were both degrade, they could do it again. It also answered some of his questions about what they had been doing when away. Mist formed around Jake as he felt the energy press down on him to limit his movements. A giant blade of wind crackling with lightning headed straight towards his head. Jake smiled, happy to see the two birds not taking him lightly, but it was far from enough. He could have easily handled this in E-grade, let alone now. Jake pushed away the mist pressure with a bit of his own mana as he took a step forward, instantly teleporting back more than a hundred meters. While his fear of perception had given him quite the headache, literally, now that he had adapted to it far more, he could in no way discount its value. With Jake easily having dodged the attack, he took out his bow and fired an arrow. He was actually a bit taken aback as he did it, because he hadn't really thought, but just moved. As he reached for the string, an arrow had just appeared between his fingers and been knocked before being swiftly released. The arrow flew through the air towards Misty, but it encountered a barrier of magic. If it had been one of Jake's old arrows, it would have broken on impact. But these weren't his normal arrows. The crystalline arrow pierced the barrier and, after only a bit of resistance, shattered it. Ultimately, it missed as it had been redirected slightly from the small form of the hawk, but it was enough to make her open her eyes with fright as she became aware of their power. Jake had already knocked another arrow at this point. He fired it towards Misty before moving to block another blade of wind from Hawkey. A scimitar appeared in his hand as he cut apart the blade, parting the clouds below. Simultaneously, the second arrow arrived at Misty, who swiftly dodged it, but the moment it was right beside her, Jake smirked and triggered it. The arrow exploded, sending Misty tumbling through the air before she quickly stabilized herself, her eyes even wider than before. Hawkey tried to come to her assistance as he summoned a tornado of wind and lightning, tearing up the entire cloud continent and a radius of over thirty meters around Jake. He was out of it with a single step, but the tornado quickly followed after him, Hawkey attacking with wind blades and exploding thunderbolts all the while. Misty had now managed to stabilize herself, and a giant magic circle was condensing above her as she charged up a magical attack. Jake smiled as he turned his attention fully to Hawkey allowing Misty to do as she pleased. He was already looking forward to facing her attack. He charged towards Hawkey, his blade practically screaming at him to be fed. Sadly for it, today was not one where he planned to sate it. 
he used one step mile to travel across the cloud, being even faster than Hockey at his maximum speed, if far less maneuverable. Predicting where Hockey would move, Jake appeared right below the hawk, quickly jumping into the air as he landed his eyes on his feathery friend. Hockey froze up from gaze of the apex hunter and fell through the air, and just as he was about to be able to move, an all-too-familiar net of mana strings wrapped around him. The hawk was ready, however, and released a blast of storm mana to blow it apart, and the strings remained as Hockey saw Jake throw him a cheeky smile. That was when Hockey noticed that the strings binding him weren't the normal transparent ones, but made up of the same mana as Jake's arrows. Jake flung Hockey down into the cloud continent as he kicked upwards at a hastily constructed barrier of mana, sending him down towards the hawk. Hockey tried to dodge, but failed as a blade penetrated down the cloud continent right beside the hawk's small head. My win, Jake said, as he turned his attention back to the giant magic circle coalescing in the air. He smiled as he took a step away from Hockey, appearing nearly two hundred meters away, as he took out his bow again. Briefly, his gaze met with Misty, but he chose not to freeze her. He wanted to face her attack, so he began charging his arcane power shot. Hockey stayed put, even if he wasn't really injured. While he wouldn't have died, even with a blade through his skull, it would have put him out of commission long enough for Jake to kill him easily, so he had already accepted his loss. All the Cloud Island inhabitants watched in fright from a safe distance as the two degrades released insane amounts of energy. The entire scene seemed to pause for five or so seconds as both just charged their attacks. Two giant explosions sounded out simultaneously as a massive beam of highly condensed mist mana was fired down towards the lone human standing on the Cloud Continent, a human that returned a single crystalline arrow in response. Arcane mana swirled around it leaving pink-purple light in its wake. A third explosion, even larger than the two prior, rang out as the two attacks met, scorching the air and blowing apart a huge chunk of the cloud island below. The beam managed to hold back the arrow for a bit, but was soon overpowered as the arrow continued towards Misty. At the final moment, she managed to summon a shield of mist. The arrow shattered the moment it hit the barrier, already weakened from the beam earlier. Misty was relieved, until she saw Jake below, arcane mana already swirling around him from his second prepared arcane power shot. My win? he asked cheekily. The mist song hawk deflated, not unlike her daughter had done less than half an hour earlier. The birds and elementals gathered around the area where the three D-grades had battled, a huge crater in the cloud continent just below where the two mighty attacks had clashed. A cloud elemental noticed a small, pink-purple spark still floating in the air from where the human degrade had attacked. Feeling the energy within, it moved to touch it. It made a screaming noise as a large part of its arm was instantly annihilated from the faint wisp of arcane mana, which burned into its body before the remnant energy ran out of fuel. Some attentive birds saw this and quickly designated the entire area off-limits for now swiftly retreating to the Cloud Island's outer edges. All of them thought the same thing. Humans are scary. Chapter 63 A Sculptor of Haven Felix walked out of his small treehouse and took in a deep breath, enjoying the refreshing air of Haven. 
One would think that having a city inside a forest would get annoying, but Felix enjoyed it quite a lot. It did help a lot that no beasts were wandering about, and the number of insects was also far fewer than one would expect. The builders even had an enchantment of sorts that made all those small level zero insects avoid people's homes, which did wonders for having the windows open even during the night. Anyone who had ever lived close to any kind of greenery knew the pain of having mosquitoes and a whole slew of other tiny annoying pests enter just because you felt warm during a hot summer day. Felix was thrown out of his thoughts when he heard his neighbor already out on her porch in another tree nearby, working on her tailoring. Good morning. Any good progress lately? he asked with a smile. Not bad, but yarn and wool supply is getting scarce. I hope those merchants will soon return with a good batch, the middle-aged woman answered in a stern tone, reminding Felix of that group that had come by earlier in the week. They had come from some city down south. It was some religious city or something, but they hadn't been overbearing, so that was fine. They had asked some questions about the city, but every new arrival did that, so nothing weird in that. Felix himself had bought some special clay to practice his profession with, along with some glass to shape, also for his profession. Felix had entered the tutorial full of hope. A struggling artist before the system, he had been a failure both by his own metrics and the metrics of his parents and peers, so when the system arrived he suddenly felt hopeful. He felt like it was his second chance. This time he couldn't fail. He felt like he had done everything right in the old world. He had gone to university, gotten a degree, yet he'd failed to find any success. He'd tried to do some sculptures, his specialization as a freelance artist, but all he got from that was being lowballed by people who thought you could make marble busts for five bucks, or people who wanted things done for exposure. Fuck those people. This had resulted in him falling into what he would describe as a deep depression, even if his parents kept telling him he was just lazy. Every day was spent laying in his bed, staring into the ceiling helplessly. The only thing that managed to get him up every day was his computer and video games. Felix immersed himself in the online world, made friends, and finally felt like he had a place where he belonged. He was great at games, and his creative mind allowed him to excel in most scenarios, earning the respect of his fellow players. Sadly, it wasn't to the level of earning any money, so his peers in real life still saw him as an utter failure. This only brought him closer to his online friends, as that was the only place he could find comfort. Back then, he had always played a mage, because can you ever go wrong with magic? So, of course, when he was asked to pick a class, he'd gone with being a caster. The tutorial itself had been somewhat relaxing, at least to begin with, and the enemies they faced were these half-robot things. It was really like a video game, and Felix went with his preferred school of magic, fire. Again, how can he go wrong with burning your enemies? Once more, he'd found himself excelling. He joined a group of the peers that used to shun him, who now looked at him with awe and respect as he weaved his fire magic. It felt damn great. When he got his class to twenty-five, he'd upgraded it to become a proper fire mage, and that was supposed to be when his true rise to power would begin, until that incident happened. All Felix had ever fought at that point were those robots, tin cans that moved like living things, but weren't actually alive. It was a game to Felix, a game he was good at. He loved melting his foes and seeing the levels just roll in, but sadly he'd faced an opponent unlike any before. At that time, he and his party had been in a run-down city of sorts, 
and during one night they had taken refuge in a ruined apartment building. His party had consisted of four people, a girl and two other guys. Honestly, he'd crushed on the girl in his party quite a bit. She was a supportive caster and could also do a bit of healing magic, so she was great without a dedicated healer in the party. The two other guys had originally been a heavy and a medium warrior, respectively, and were the muscle of the group. It was a new party, and Felix hadn't thought much about joining it. During that fateful night, Felix had been trying to sleep when he heard some noise from another room, the one his crush was in. A bit groggily, he had gotten up and gone to investigate, and the moment he opened the door, his eyes went wide. He saw his two male teammates press down on her with a dagger to her throat, their clothes already halfway off. She had been injured and nearly out of mana when they stopped to rest, and he saw the despair in her eyes as she couldn't get free. Felix didn't think as he yelled about what the fuck they were doing. The warrior who didn't hold the dagger just told him to fuck off back to the other room. Felix was never going to forget the man's tone, like what Felix had just seen was no big deal. The other warriors spoke up and said that it wasn't like Felix couldn't stay and wait his turn. The fire mage had responded by attacking them. A stream of flames blew the warrior with the dagger off the woman and through the wall of the building, sending him tumbling down. The second warrior cursed as he ran at Felix with his broadsword and swung. Felix didn't know how to respond, and he took a deep cut on his arm before instinctively reacting by blowing the warrior away and through several walls. Felix desperately yelled while he threw fireballs after the warrior he had blown away, and he didn't stop until he got the notification of killing the man half a dozen levels lower than himself. Standing there heaving, he only had a brief moment free to throw the woman a glance before he felt pain in his back. He turned around and saw that the warrior he had blown out of the building earlier had rushed up the stairs and stabbed him in the back. He was far from durable as a fire mage, but he still managed to stumble back and turn around as he was wrestled to the ground, the warrior trying to stab him through the eye with a dagger. The warrior sat on top of him, pressing down with a dagger as Felix exploded with fire mana. A torrent of flame sprang from his body and burned the man sitting on top of him, while also burning an unforgettable memory into Felix's mind. To him, fire magic had always been cool. It was destructive and good against nearly all enemies, but that was precisely also why it was so gruesome when it consumed an enemy. It was one thing to melt metal, and another entirely to melt a human. The warrior screamed in pain as his skin began to blister and bubble. His blood boiled inside his veins. His veins and flesh popped and poured out blood. The flayed skin melted and stuck together as the eyes looking down on Felix slowly liquefied, and he saw the burning, empty holes staring down on him instead. Felix passed out upon seeing the man die a gruesome death on top of him, his entire mana pool spent. He had awakened nearly twenty hours later, based on the tutorial timer, alone in the apartment room. A small barrier to hide him had been set up, and he knew it had been done by the woman without a doubt, but she was nowhere to be found. Both corpses of the men were long gone too, and Felix even thought the entire thing had been a dream for a moment, until the vivid images of the man burning to death invaded his mind. Felix puked all over the floor as he sat there shaking and heaving for breath. He didn't use his fire magic at all for over a week, just hiding away in a camp made by other survivors, huddled up in one of the small apartment rooms. He didn't see the woman again before returning to Earth, 
where they only exchanged a single glance before going in opposite directions, each going with their new respective groups. There were just too many bad memories between them. Since that day, Felix hadn't used his magic to fight, but instead focused solely on his profession. The mere thought of using his fire magic on another living thing made him nauseous, as it brought memories to his mind he would prefer not to recall. The reason why he was reminded of the tutorial again today was because of where those merchants had come from, Sant Domo. A priest-like man had led the group she had left with that day when they returned from their tutorial. He was well known, as apparently he had been blessed by a god or something, and he promised people a safe place once they returned to earth. A promise he had clearly fulfilled. Well, not as good as here, Felix thought, as he slid down the rope that led up to his treehouse, landing softly on the grass below. He lived in one of the many treehouses spread around Haven, all placed in the crowns of the tall trees permeating the forest city. It truly was the kind of city that couldn't exist before the system. The houses themselves were actually rather large, having several rooms and built around the trunks of the trees, often fifteen or so meters up into the air to leave plenty of space beneath. Small hanging bridges connected pathways built around non-residential trees, making it possible to walk from house to house without ever touching the ground. The way to get up to the treehouses themselves was decided by the people who lived there, with Felix having just decided on a simple rope to hoist himself up. Many people could even just jump from the ground and up to their houses, another thing that would have been impossible before the system. Felix quickly went to the closest notice board to check for new quests. He had worked on a glassware commission over the last two weeks, putting his sculpting skills and magic to use. He refused to use his fire magic to burn anyone, but he had found other uses for his talents with the school of magic through crafting. Skimming over the many quests, one instantly caught his attention. Open quest. Sculptor needed. The city office is looking for a talented and ambitious sculptor to assist in creating statues for the under-construction temple. The sculptor must be at least level 60 in their profession and possess the ability to adequately shape both metals and stone. The statues will be depictions of gods or their insignias. Discretion is required. Reward, 240 credits per hour. Extra bonus upon completion. Felix stared at it for a while before smiling. This one looks good. He had only been in Haven for one and a half months, so he had met plenty of people before coming there, a few preachers and priests included. He knew that gods were now far more tangible entities and that some could even communicate directly with them. He felt like he was more than suited for the job, his profession at level 67. Also, that reward was way above the usual. The average for a job was around 100 credits per hour if the job paid hourly, though most trading was done just by selling or bartering products without having anyone pay you directly. He'd heard that the Smiths had a good time selling blades to the city lord recently. Who knew what she was using them for? Felix respected the city lord a lot. She was working all the time, always made good changes to the city, and had managed to put competent people in charge. He didn't believe those rumors about her only being in her position because she was sleeping with that enigmatic city owner either. From what Felix had seen of her, she didn't seem the type to do that, even if she had the appearance to entice any man. Yeah, he had to admit that he had a crush on her, too, and he doubted he was the only one. Accepting the quest, he got a new prompt saying there would be auditions in a bit over four hours, making him grumble a bit. Should have guessed it needs an audition for that kind of pay. 
With a bit of time to spare, he went to check out a few of the small stores that had begun opening up. With so many crafters working day and night, there was bound to be an overflow of products, and someone needed to sell them, which was where the merchants came in. Besides the overabundance of guns, because many citizens had come from a fort out in the plains that liked producing those, most products were more medieval. To be honest, it was a bit funny walking into a store and seeing guns, swords, and other small trinkets sold alongside one another. Morning, Felix said, as he entered one of the stores, the merchant in charge of it practicing by juggling with some throwing knives. A sight that would be weird before the system, but now most people did weird stuff to passively train their skills or get a bit of experience. Morning! Looking for anything specific? The store owner said, putting his knives away behind the counter. Get any mana potions? Felix asked, already scouring the shelves behind the merchant for any signs of those small, godly bottles. Got a few inferior rarity ones, four hundred or more mana per potions, guaranteed. One hundred credits each, but you can get five for four hundred fifty. Not the best, but it could be worse, Felix thought, as he bought a small batch of five. A few people had been lucky to get common rarity ones, restoring thousands of mana points, but he had never used any himself. The sculptor had heard that those were really only used by elites, such as the space mage and his party. He bought the potions for the audition, to make sure he wouldn't run out during their tests, as his way of sculpting was quite mana-intensive. Next, he went to one of the small restaurants. Well, it was more like a stall. There he got some soup that would help boost his mana regeneration for the next day or so. The fact that it was damn tasty did not at all play into why he wanted it. Four hours later he attended the audition and found it run by Lillian, the city lord's assistant. She looked a bit scary with her scarred face, and Felix didn't know why she looked like that when evolving to E-grade should have fixed any pre-system issues, but he didn't dare pry either. The audition itself was easy, and only four others had turned up. One of them wasn't even sixty in her profession but was allowed to try out anyway. She crashed and burned early on as she failed to keep up, and Felix easily pulled ahead. After that he had to go through some questionnaires and even sign a contract. He felt like it was a bit much for just crafting some sculptures for a temple, but he guessed it was an important task, so Felix just went ahead with things. Because heck, what was so special about making a few religious effigies for a few gods? He was just the sculptor, after all. Chapter 64 A Brave New World Jake landed back in his valley with the two slightly listless hawks. The fight had been entirely one-sided, and they knew it. Sure, the two of them hadn't gone all out, far from it, but it was obvious neither had Jake. He had only used class skills from start to end, not even summoning his wings during the fight. He hadn't used any poisons or anything alchemy-related at all, limiting himself significantly. Heck, he hadn't even used limit break at the safe ten percent. From start to end, their little bout had a foregone conclusion. It was a fight he could have won even at E-grade, albeit with much difficulty, and he would not have come out of it unscathed. Cheer up, you two. While I won the day, haven't you already laid the groundwork to beat me up in the future? Jake said, nodding towards Sylphie as she was float flying through the air, practicing her weird wind magic. Jake saw her fly over a few trees, and the following gentle green wind passed through the tree crowns. A moment later, the entire crown was cut into thousands of pieces, making Sylphie cheerfully cry out. Jake just smiled at the small hawk, 
happy for her and her ability to unleash a wind attack that could kill most humans in the city. He said his goodbyes to the two hawks as he entered his lodge, more than happy with his newfound strength. But he wasn't done yet. Yawning, he went back to the good old porch and took out his Ultimar cauldron of supreme simplicity. For some reason, Jake didn't feel as much in a rush with his profession evolution as he had with his class and race. That is, until he remembered a certain dungeon hidden in a cave not far away. Jake decided to craft mana potions mainly because he wanted to experiment a bit with his mana practice. He wanted to feel how much easier mana was to manipulate after he had evolved more in-depth, because, during the fight earlier, all his energy manipulation had felt easier than ever. He theorized it had something to do with the qualitative improvements affecting his body and energy, and thus, in tandem, affecting his ability to control the energy. It could also just be an effect of the stat increases and stats working better now, but who knew? All he knew was that he was better than ever at manipulating mana. Going through the motions, he crafted the mana potion while focusing heavily on the process. He felt how much easier it was to nudge and move the energy as he wanted it to. When he added the ingredients, he instantly attacked them with his mana and once more felt the difference. Without even noticing it, small traces of his arcane affinity had snuck in and torn apart the ingredients, releasing the mana far faster and more efficiently. Thinking on it further, Jake realized how this really shouldn't come as a surprise to him. He had discovered his arcane affinity through alchemy, and thinking back on when the change in his mana had first occurred, he realized it had to have been during the trial of myriad poisons. The arcane mana had simply been born from Jake's intent to tear apart and absorb the ingredients during the trial faster, though it had changed a bit by now, focusing a lot more on also being stable. Not long after, Jake finished crafting a batch of mana potions, and he was honestly surprised at how fast it had gone. Even more impressive was the amount and the potency of the mixture. Mana Potion, common, restores 8,547 mana when consumed. Jake knew that the amount restored by mana potions wouldn't grow as fast as one's mana pool, so to make one restoring over half of his own pre-mask boost mana was incredibly impressive. Needless to say, these were his best mana potions yet, and it was also the batch with the most he had ever made. A single batch could vary widely. If it was a new creation, it was customary only to get one to three actual bottles worth. But Jake had just managed to pump out a massive eleven in a single craft. It was a testament to how efficient he had been, and how little of the ingredients' energy had been lost during the process. Damn, I am good, he praised himself, as he, with a big toothy smile, dove right into mass-producing mana potions. They weren't even for himself, he just wanted to mass-produce because he could. At the same time, it allowed him to better experience his newfound ability to manipulate mana, and he was already looking for a way to improve it even further. The day quickly went by, Jake a bit impatiently waiting for the level to finally come. Halfway through his second day of grinding, he finally got a notification, and just as he was getting excited, he saw it wasn't the one he had hoped for. But maybe it was a bit important anyway. Announcement to all nobles. One hundred pylons of civilization have now been claimed. In seven days the World Congress will begin, and anyone in possession of or ruling over a pylon of civilization can attend. So make haste to claim one. Quest received. A brave new world. As the wheels of time turn and humanity has begun reclaiming civilization, clashes and disputes are unavoidable, but so are diplomacy and forming alliances. The World Congress will allow you to pursue both as the political arena of Earth forms 
and together you shall forge the future and establish the foundation of the civilization you wish to form. As an earl and the first claimant of a pylon on your planet, you will undoubtedly have a substantial influence on this future. May you bear this responsibility and privilege with pride. Objective, be within close proximity to your pylon of civilization and accept to join the First World Congress in 6 days and 23 hours 59 minutes 59 seconds. You can bring along two other representatives. Reward, participation and voting power in the World Congress. Jake read the notification over, saw the quest being received, nodded to himself, and closed all those menus. Gonna talk to Miranda when she comes by. She should be here within the hour. Which proved true, as Jake only managed to finish one more batch before she came. She wasn't alone either, but had brought along Lillian and even Philip. Jake saw them coming easily with his sphere long before they even laid eyes on the lodge. Jake identified them one by one as they walked in, starting with Lillian. Human, level 53. She had gained quite a few levels, and Jake assumed most were in her profession. Either way, good on her. She had only barely reached E-grade when they met, and he doubted she had done much combat at all either, so it was impressive. Human, level 64. Next was Philip. When Jake met him a few months ago, he had been 59, and now he had only grown to 64. Jake didn't know why this was, but he assumed it had to do with him not really fighting in this period in favor of lying back and relaxing. He wasn't even leading people that much anymore, turning into just another council member. And last but not least was Miranda. Human, level 81. Of everyone in the city, Miranda was the one who had gained the most levels by far. Jake had heard that Neil was above 72, but he doubted anyone except Miranda and himself were above 80, not counting birds. He knew her profession had already reached level 99, but she had chosen to postpone her evolution. On the advice of her patron gods, she wanted to gain the perfect evolution title. Quick math showed that her class was still only in the 60s, so she still had quite a few levels to go. Unlike Jake, the citizens of his city mainly leveled by using the forest. Like when Jake traveled inwards to see where Misty originally lived, Jake had already encountered many high-level beasts, and he knew that deep within the forest even a myriad of D-grades could be found. Walking out of the lodge, Jake gave a quick nod to the two hawks chilling up in the nest, with Sylphie already comfortable sitting on his shoulder. Misty and Hawkey acknowledged him and had also noticed the approaching humans. They didn't appear to want to deal with it, as they both took flight and headed up towards the cloud continent above. After getting their asses handed to them, they had spent quite a lot more time leveling and practicing their magic. It wasn't going to help them with Jake only getting stronger, too, but he totally understood their desire to grow anyway. Besides, it would be embarrassing if they were weaker than their own daughter within a year of her birth, and as things were looking right now, Sylphie would officially be approaching D-grade at that time. With the two hawks gone, Jake turned his eyes towards the three approaching humans, who saw him the moment they also entered his line of sight. Contrary to expectations, they all abruptly stopped, Philip's eyes going wide, Miranda looking pleased, and Lillian taking on an unfazed expression, but he did see a tiny frown form on her brows. Oh, yeah, Jake thought. I guess this is the first time meeting any of them since my evolution. The three E-grade humans looked at him for a bit, before Miranda finally spoke up. Congratulations on achieving D-grade. The difference in grades was something everyone could detect instinctively. 
You didn't need to use identify or bloodline-level instincts. It was entirely natural and even worked across species. That is to say, they all felt that he was a grade above them, and the innate suppression that came with that. Thanks, Jake said, motioning for the three of them to follow him into the lodge. Philip seemed a bit nervous, it being his first time here, but he was an experienced man and quickly got himself under control to follow the scary, masked degrade inside. Lillian didn't hesitate to go to a small tea kitchen Jake never used and began preparing something to drink. Miranda had insisted on putting it in months ago during one of their weekly meals to keep a few things stocked up within the lodge, so she didn't have to bring everything every time. When they were finally all sitting comfortably around the table, Jake was the first to speak. Miranda was clearly waiting for him to open the conversation. Thoughts on the World Congress? I believe it will be a good chance to form relations with the other forces on Earth, Miranda said, obviously prepared. She waved her hand and summoned a simple green map in the air with mana. Haven was marked on it, alongside a few other points of interest, such as the fort or a city called Sant Domo. The closest major city to us is Sant Domo, ruled by the Holy Church and in concert with the Holy Pantheon. They already have a population in the seven digits and are growing at a startling speed. They are led much like a theocracy, with a council of sorts. The official city lord and de facto leader is an enigmatic person known as the Augur of Hope. Damn, Jacob's popping off, Jake thought, giving his old boss a mental thumbs up. Thinking about it, I never told Miranda about him. I should do that when Philip is not here. So far, they have been one of our primary trading partners, but even if they are the closest pylon, the distance is still vast. It takes at least a few days of travel to get there, even for someone fast. Besides that, many smaller settlements are scattered around the area, with populations ranging from a few hundred to a few thousand. All of this is to say, we have only actually made direct contact with a single pylon-based city besides our own. This Congress will allow us to get a feel for other forces and get a better comprehension of where we stand in this new world. It will also open up many new trading partners. As for the issue of travel, I believe Philip has some good news in that department. Through all of Miranda's explanations, Jake just sat there, silently listening while drinking his tea. His mind was equally occupied with the conversation and how the teacup just phased through his mask when he drank. It was the same with potions and he wondered how the hell he hadn't questioned it earlier. System fuckery, for sure. I have been traveling back and forth to the fort a lot these days, and the place has become quite the hub for many smiths, Phillips said. To avoid too much smoke and open fires in the forest, we decided that having the fort be a large, dedicated smith in operation was wise. However, we ran into the issue of transporting goods between there and Haven. This is where Neil comes in. That young man is quite something and has been working on getting the functional teleportation circle up for the last month, and as of last night, he got it working. It can only teleport goods, but it is damn efficient and only requires mana to be maintained. With it, we can easily send materials from our mine to the fort and the finished product back here within the same day. Philip looked very pleased with how things were going. Jake nodded, agreeing wholeheartedly. Space mages were excellent for that kind of thing, and Jake was even beginning to suspect the system had kind of helped a bit in having more space mages around. There were other trials and such and other tutorials focusing on space magic from what he had heard, and even that Kallax guy who had given his legacy to Neil had only been B-grade. Based on what the Viper said, investing in a tutorial was expensive as hell, 
so how could a B-grade get his entirely own tutorial? Jake theorized that the system had given a discount, as it wanted more space maters in new universes. As for the thing about the mine, well, that was what had been found in the big cave that didn't contain a huge murder-mushroom-turned-dungeon entrance. As to what kinds of metals it contained and such things, Jake didn't know and didn't care. There were no herbs there, and he wasn't a smith, so he just left it up to people who knew more about stuff like that. The rest of the meeting was just discussing a few basic city things, with the decision to have another meeting closer to the actual World Congress starting. Throughout it all, none dared comment on the bird that had eventually climbed from Jake's shoulder to sit on his head, being slightly too large for it not to look incredibly silly, as if having a bird sleeping on your head could ever not be silly. When they left, Jake handed Miranda over a hundred overpowered mana potions to sell in the city's stores, or just to use for herself to level faster. Once they were finally gone, Jake jumped right back into doing what was most important, getting that profession's evolution. Chapter 65. An Even More Professional Evolution dum de dum de dum Jake sang in a humming tone as he swayed his head back and forth, both hands on the cauldron. He was naturally making even more mana potions, but also doing something else equally important. Sylphie sat opposite him, bopping her head to the tune, mimicking him. Jake couldn't help but smile as she happily played along, even trying to make the same sounds as him. She wasn't doing very well in that department, but damn was it cute. He barely had to focus when making the potions, and it was effortless for him to split his focus. It was actually a bit weird. He felt like he was focusing on both things simultaneously, no matter how contradictory that sounded. Maybe another gain of his race evolution. He already knew that he thought faster while under stress or fighting, so it kind of made sense. His math skills had also improved tremendously. See, now I am focusing on three things at once, he thought still humming the tune and finishing off the latest batch of mana potions. Just as the mix was completed, Jake heard the sweet sound he had been waiting for as he gave Sylphie a big smile. It's evolution time. Ray! she cheered back in return, getting a few head pats as Jake opened up his notifications. Professional evolution requirements met. To call your journey so far as an alchemist of the malefic viper abnormal would be an understatement and disservice to the unique path you are walking. On the one hand, you're a supremely talented alchemist faithfully following the legacy of the malefic viper, and the other, a blasphemous heretic that does not show any reverence to the primordial that has given you this power. Your entire existence only grows more paradoxical as your defiance and arrogance have only been rewarded by the Malefic One, and not punished as his faithful followers believe it rightfully should have been. Where this unlikely friendship will take you is unknown to all, even the ones involved. Either rebel, conform, or carve your own path that has never been seen before. The choice is yours. Begin evolution now. Why? N. Warning. Postponing evolution for too long may have adverse effects, and no further profession experience can be earned before the evolution is completed. Jake read through it and was honestly a bit relieved. A small part of him had been afraid of it, not even mentioning alchemy, but just focusing on his friendship with Billy. The hunter-champion class had been a bit of an eye-opener to the significance of their relationship in the eyes of the system, and he would honestly hate to get a good evolution solely because of that friendship. So to see it calling him talented at alchemy was good, and boded well for what evolutions he would have available. 
Without further ado, he jumped right into it. Five possible evolutions available. Five has expected, he thought, starting, as always, with the first and most boring option. Renowned expert alchemist of the Malefic Viper, a direct upgrade to the prodigious alchemist of the Malefic Viper class. As a prodigy, you have already proven your talents during your early days, and coattailing on that talent, you are now recognized as a renowned expert, even if you no longer stand out like before. Allows one to combine the natural treasures of the world to make potions and pills, transmute one material to another, and employ a slew of other mystical means to be discovered. This rare type of alchemist specializes in the production of poisons, contrary to the craft of potions. Leveraging your prestige, you have also gained the ability to sway others more efficiently and make them respect you far more. Even if your talent may wane with time, that time has yet to come as, while perhaps no longer a prodigy, you are still an expert. May you continue to be the harbinger of death and pursue the footsteps of the Malefic One. Stat bonuses per level, plus 14 wisdom, plus 10 willpower, plus 9 vitality, plus 5 toughness, plus 5 intelligence, plus 10 free points. Yep, this one was just as boring as he had expected. Heck, it was even more boring than that. It wasn't even a real upgrade over his prodigious alchemist, as it didn't even give three times the stats. It gave only 53, which made it good, but not great. Either way, Jake didn't bother lingering on it anymore. The description of the profession said all there was to say, and Jake didn't believe for a moment that his talents were waning. Heretical Alchemist of the Malefic Viper Most look upon a primordial with awe, respect, and fear, but you choose to blaspheme his name and stand in opposition to his message. Allows one to combine the natural treasures of the world to make potions and pills, transmute one material to another, and employ a slew of other mystical means to be discovered. This rare type of alchemist specializes in the production of poisons, contrary to the craft of potions. As an alchemist following the legacy of the Malefic Viper, you wield his strength and enjoy the benefits of his creed as much as any devout follower, showing a powerful mind and independent spirit. No longer willing to follow on in his steps, you only seek to reap benefits, hoping to escape the wrath of the Primordial or his followers unharmed. As a heretic, the legacy of the Malefic Viper is no longer contingent on retaining any blessing from the Malefic Viper. May you succeed in your foolhardy ways, or meet your end on your heretical path. Stat bonuses per level, plus 20 willpower, plus 12 wisdom, plus 12 vitality, plus 6 toughness, plus 6 intelligence, plus 12 free points. Ah, oh, come on, it ain't that bad, Jake thought, shaking his head as he went through it. Was he really a heretic? Jake didn't see it that way, unless it was considered a radical to not really hold any faith towards a god you were technically supposed to be for. Yeah, okay, I think I get it. Anyway, this one was quite a lot more interesting. First of all, it gave a buttload more stat points per level, making it quite clear this was a high-tier profession. The name was quite a bit simpler, though, even if it was so much better. It also carried some interesting complications. From what Jake had gathered, a legacy required one to have some kind of connection to the source, be it through an item or by gaining the class or profession through special means. There were some other rules and exceptions if you accepted the legacy of someone dead, but Jake focused on the legacies of the living. This also meant that the one behind the legacy had at least a bit of power to influence the path of those that followed it. Gods being the easiest example, with the most straightforward way of affecting their followers, retracting their blessing. This class would change that dynamic and make the Viper unable to retract his legacy. 
He could likely still take back the blessing, but it wouldn't affect his future evolutions or skill choices. It truly was a heretical path where Jake could use the skills of a god that didn't even recognize him anymore. The stat points were also interesting, as 68 was just around the absolute cap of professions at D grade that didn't carry significant penalties. Needless to say, the heretic one did carry penalties, such as being a heretic, but even then it was proof of how high-tiered the profession was. And to make it better, the last three options available to him gave even more stat points than this one. Anyway, while the profession carried some interesting implications, it wasn't something Jake wanted to go with. He felt like being a heretic wasn't the right word for him, even if it did seem a bit accurate on paper. With all that in mind, he moved on to the next option, one that was the exact opposite of being a heretic. True Confidant of the Malefic Viper More than a mere servant of the primordial, you are now his most trusted confidant. Your word carries implications for the entire multiverse, as you possess the ability to influence the will of the Malefic One. With this power, it is only natural that all his followers shall bow to your every command. This profession focuses on leadership and persuasion by influencing the mind and will of those around you with every word or action. Yet you also retain all your talents and alchemy to better relate to your patron, even if it is a path you will no longer pursue actively. Being a confidant will allow you to understand the Malefic One's desires better and carry out his will and support his every command. As his trusted confidant, you aim to one day stand beside him as his equal, even if you have a long way to go. But with his trust, the first and possibly hardest hurdle is already overcome. Stat bonuses per level, plus 15 wisdom, plus 15 willpower, plus 10 vitality, plus 8 intelligence, plus 7 toughness, plus 15 free points. No. Saint Alchemist of the Malefic Viper there are many paths one can walk to honor the Malefic Viper and spread his word. To properly honor your patron, you have proven that you excel not just in spreading his name, but in walking his path, as you have shown yourself an extraordinarily talented alchemist. As an alchemist, you combine the natural treasures of the world to make potions and pills, transmute one material to another, and employ a slew of other mystical means. But to honor the Malefic Viper, you will focus even further on toxins than ever before. As a saint, you can spread his word and recruit followers into following the Malefic Viper by granting baptisms, or pray for the Malefic One to bestow his blessing on those deemed worthy. The profession will also allow you to better convince and influence others' wills to accept the Malefic Viper's path. May you walk both the path of faith and the path of alchemy to the pinnacle, all while basking in the power of the Malefic Viper. Stat bonuses per level, plus 16 willpower, plus 14 wisdom, plus 12 vitality, plus 8 intelligence, plus 6 toughness, plus 14 free points. Alright, this one was a bit of a mix between the super villy fanboy advisor and, wow, he is actually still an alchemist professions. One Jake, of course, seriously didn't want. For real, that confidant one just rubbed him badly from head to toe. No fucking way he would pick a profession that was pretty much just saying... Be Villy's friend, I guess? This profession wasn't even about that anymore, but instead about Jake actively becoming involved with spreading the order of the Malefic Viper's faith and doing religious stuff. Just because he had given Miranda the okay for making a temple of sorts didn't mean he was suddenly into going full-on priest, or worse, about to act like some god-sent saint. Also, once again, it tried to hammer home how important it was that he was blessed by the Malefic Viper, he really didn't like it, 
and the only saving grace this one had was that at least it was still about being an alchemist. The stupid confidant one even talked about giving up alchemy to focus more on being a friend to Billy. How the hell does that work? Yes, Jake was fully aware that the confidant one was not really about being a friend, but more of an advisor of sorts. But there was no way Billy would ever even want that. He was pretty sure a primordial like the malefic viper had smart people just standing by to give advice at any time. If Jake was perfectly honest, then he really wasn't the person to ask about leading an order with more members than people living on his planet. As for stat points, both this and the confidant before it gave 70 per level. The absolute cap for professions being 80 made them both damn good from a numbers standpoint, especially considering they didn't have significantly restrictive or special requirements. They likely just required him to retain a blessing from the Viper, and possibly some other stuff that didn't matter, as he really didn't want either. One mediocre option, one massive dud, and two semi-duds. Please let the last one be good, he thought, as he moved on to the last one on the list. Heretic Chosen Alchemist of the Malefic Viper You walk a paradoxical path, understood by none but you and your patron, is chosen but not his believer is ally, but not of his order, and a bearer of his legacy, yet a blasphemer in the eyes of most. You have the ears of a primordial, yet you choose to remain dedicated to the alchemy that first made the malefic one known to you, allows one to combine the natural treasures of the world to make potions and pills, transmute one material to another, and employ a slew of other mystical means to be discovered. This rare type of alchemist specializes in the production of poisons, contrary to the craft of potions. As a heretic, the legacy of the Malefic Viper is no longer contingent on retaining any blessing from the Malefic Viper, yet, as his chosen, you are closer to him than any other mortal. May you walk your own path, be it that of a heretic or a chosen, or one entirely unique to you and the Malefic One. Stat bonuses per level, plus 15 willpower, plus 15 wisdom, plus 14 vitality, plus 10 intelligence, plus 10 toughness, plus 10 free points. Ah, you silly system. You were just teasing me, I see, Jake thought, after reading the last option. What a bamboozling the system had tried to pull on him, trying to convince him he would be stuck as either some shitty priest or meddle in mediocrity. This one just had all the check marks. Alchemy-focused? Check. Not religious? Kinda check, balanced out by being equally heretic and chosen. Those two added together had to equal not religious. Great stat bonuses? 74 per level, so more than any prior. Ultimately, it also just felt like it fit him better than any prior options. From an objective standpoint, it was a class sitting at the top. The absolute cap was 80, and this one gave 74. Those with 80 would even have some serious restrictions, even worse than Jacob's Orbor of Hope. Yet Heretic Chosen Alchemist gave 74 without any discernible issues, at least not on the surface. He said on the surface, but the restriction was quite evident. It required him to remain not only a chosen of the Malefic Viper, but also remain a heretic. If he had picked the Malefic Dragonkin evolution and gone with having a profession, he was absolutely sure he would not have been offered this profession. Anyway, all of that is to say Jake liked it, and without thinking about it more than necessary, he picked the evolution, giving birth to the first heretic chosen of a primordial in the history of the multiverse. Belastromaz felt the miners shift and tug on the connection formed by his true blessing of the malefic viper. 
He couldn't help but smile as he felt what Jake had picked, and the old primordial experienced a bit of excitement and anticipation for the first time in a while. Who doesn't like new things, especially when an entirely new path is formed? Their connection was stronger than ever before, yet he also felt something else oddly contradictory to that sentiment. He was no longer the sole controller of his own blessing. He could no longer withdraw it. Usually, a god could always take back their blessings, and even if a true blessing was harder to reclaim, it wasn't something that couldn't be done. The malefic viper instantly knew that now the only way for the true blessing ever to be dispelled was through three means. The death of the malefic viper, the death of Jake Fane, or the ascension of the heretic chosen to godhood. Unless, of course, his pal managed to upset his predictions again. Chapter 66 A Heretical Chosen When Jake got his class upgrade, not much happened, honestly. He just got some cool-ass skills, and that was about it. Yet, this time, he felt something else other than skills right away, something a lot like when he communicated with Billy. A warm flow entered his body as he felt his intelligence stat increase, and at the same moment, a system message appeared. Your bond with the Malefic Viper is further strengthened as you reforge your karmic connection, claiming partial dominion over it. The Malefic Viper can no longer reclaim his blessing, and you have lost your ability to denounce it through all usual means. Jake read it through, and wasn't sure if he should be worried or not. His theory of one of the limiting rules of the profession requiring him to maintain his blessing had been a bit off. It was the exact opposite. It meant he couldn't give it up. Jake also instantly knew what this meant. The only way for the Viper to sever their connection when he wanted to was to kill Jake. An easy feat for a primordial. And if Jake was honest, he felt that if the Viper wanted to, he could kill Jake solely through that karmic connection. At the same time, he had to retain his defiant attitude towards the malefic viper. It truly was paradoxical. He had to both oppose and stay in the good graces of the vastly more powerful god at the same time. A bit of a nasty restriction, eh? Jake thought. But he honestly wasn't scared. He had a feeling Billy was the kind of snake that would kill Jake if he wanted to anyway, so it really wasn't that bad. Also, not like he could do anything about it. So why worry? What should he do anyway, begin acting like an ass-licker to try and not piss off Billy? Nah, fuck that. Instead, Jake would stick to his motto, keep things simple, and take the complications as they come. Anyway, his blessing had once more been improved and was honestly starting to get damn good. True blessing of the Malefic Viper. Blessing. True. An alchemist recognized by the Malefic Viper himself that has now seized parts of the blessing in an act of defiance. Few throughout the ages have found themselves blessed by the primordial, despite their desire to be so. You are his chosen. Now even the true blood of the malefic viper himself is found within your very being, only strengthening your bond further. Through your powerful direct karmic and bodily connection, the wisdom, willpower, vitality, and intelligence of the malefic viper empower you. Plus 10% willpower, plus 10% wisdom, plus 10% vitality, plus 10% intelligence, grants access to many new paths. Only one blessing can be held at a time, cannot be denounced or retracted. Jake was never going to say no to extra stats, and it even gave intelligence, a stat that had just gained newfound value. With his class and profession together, he would also begin to get quite a lot of it, 
with ten from every level as an alchemist and twelve from every level as a hunter. Wisdom was even more crazy, giving a combined twenty-five. After looking over the whole blessing thing, he finally saw the class level gain and the accompanying skill gains and changes. Ding! Profession heretic chosen alchemist of the malefic viper has reached level one hundred. Stat points allocated, plus ten free points. Gain skill, craft elixir, common. Potions for emergencies, flasks in preparation for the toughest of foes, and elixirs to build the foundation of power. Allows the alchemist to craft elixirs of common rarity and below. Elixirs are able to grant those who consume them a permanent increase to stats. Must have suitable materials and equipment in order to create elixirs. Adds a minor increase to the effectiveness of created elixirs based on wisdom. Having gotten used to only seeing ancient rarity skills from his profession, Jake was actually a bit taken aback when he saw the common rarity tag. But on the other hand, wasn't this skill just something most alchemists got upon reaching D grade? Jake happily accepted it, as it was the kind of skill he felt like he would want to pick up anyway down the line. Or maybe sagacity of the malefic viper made it superfluous. Well, not entirely. Because when he thought about making elixirs, knowledge instantly appeared, just like with brew potion and concoct poison. The small stat bonus to his creations based on wisdom should also still be usable. Either way, the ability to make elixirs wasn't exactly anything new to him, but a welcome addition to his repertoire of skills nevertheless. Moving on down the list, the next item was an upgrade to an existing skill, a bit like how his big game under had been upgraded. Malefic Viper's Poison, Rare. The Malefic Viper stalks its prey and needs only to strike once as Venom devours its prey, increases the potency of all crafted poisons, grants the ability to craft a poison with a rarity above that of your concoct poison skill if certain conditions are met. The poison may at most be upgraded to the rarity of the Malefic Viper's Poison skill, uncommon to rare, allows poison not to lose efficacy for a short amount of time after being applied to a weapon, Upgraded to Malefic Viper's Poison, Epic. The Malefic Viper stalks its prey and needs only to strike once as Venom devours its prey. Increases the potency of all crafted poisons. Grants the ability to craft a poison with a rarity above that of your concoct poison skill if certain conditions are met. The poison may at most be upgraded to the rarity of the Malefic Viper's Poison skill, uncommon to Epic. Allows poison not to lose efficacy for a prolonged period of time after being applied to a weapon. If Jake had to rate a skill upgrade between 1 and 10 and how boring it was, this would be a solid 9. That isn't to say the effect of the upgrade worked great. Once more, comparing it to Big Game Hunter, this was the kind of skill that just did things under the hood. It made all his poisons better, and even helped when he coated his weapons in it to make it last longer. The only real noticeable part of it was the ability to sometimes buff an item. It had only triggered twice so far, once in the challenge dungeon and once when Jake made the malefic beast orb for Sylphie. But besides that, it didn't really notice the skill much. In summary, it was a great skill, but a bit subtle. Either way, it was nice to have it upgraded. He was already feeling pretty good about all his gains from the various evolutions, yet he moved on to the last skill with quite a few expectations anyway. The profession was clearly special, and a part of him had even hoped for a legendary skill or something like that, but what he got instead was just a bit confusing. Gain skill, path of the heretic chosen, unique. 
a unique path between the primordial known as the malefic viper and his chosen, the progenitor, Jake Thane, allows you to experience the legacy of the malefic viper on a far more direct level by relying on your direct connection as a chosen and mentality of a heretic. Focusing on the malefic viper's legacy's core skills, which you adequately comprehend, will allow you to peer into its true records as you journey through time, space, reality, and experience history firsthand. Be warned that gains are not guaranteed, and while the journey cannot harm you directly, the journey may cause harm or have lasting effects, a risk you must take as a heretic. May you walk with confidence as you tread a path never walked before. Gains one use every ten levels in Heretic Chosen Alchemist of the Malefic Viper. Any skill can only be chosen once. Courage uses remaining one. Jake had a lot of questions about this one. The most obvious was the rarity. Unique rarity skills were a bit weird in that their actual power couldn't necessarily be determined. Heck, his legacy of man was unique rarity, and he wasn't sure how good that one actually was. This one at least gave him the impression it was impressive, if somewhat weird. If Jake was reading it correctly, this skill would allow him to more easily upgrade his other skills related to the Malefic Viper. More accurately, the of the Malefic Viper ones. He had already checked the descriptions of all the skills and seen that they hadn't changed. They still only gave one stat point per level in his profession. Jake assumed he would have to upgrade them to Legendary Rarity to gain more, and needless to say, that wasn't an easy task. Jake contemplated a while before doing something he probably should have done before choosing to pick a profession with the word heretic in it. So, Vili, thoughts? A few seconds passed before Jake felt a presence descend on his soul. He felt its intent to utterly suppress him and bring him to his knees, but Jake barely reacted. You dare become a heretic and stand against the malefic viper himself? A mere mortal has the audacity to display such arrogance? The primordial's voice echoed loudly in his mind. So, you think it's kind of funny? Jake said, nodding in understanding. Oh, yeah, equally funny and interesting, Billy answered back. He could easily picture the gods snickering as he spoke. But you are fully aware that if I find someone else I want to make my chosen, I will have to kill you first, right? Jake just shrugged in response. It is what it is. Any other way to get rid of that black mark on my status menu? Wow, rude. Just because I can't take it away anymore, the viper said with faux outrage. As for getting rid of it, just become a god. Pretty easy, actually. Trust me, I've done it at least once. Is that to say it's possible to become a god more than once? No, of course not. That would be silly. Jake shook his head, glad that nothing seemed to have changed, despite the system clearly seeing it as a perilous and heretical path. But back to my original question. Any thoughts on the new skill? Jake asked, still having the system menu open and staring at the path of the heretic chosen in front of him. You are aware I can't actually see your skills, right? Gonna be honest, I kind of assumed you could. Sure, maybe you are unable to see the detailed description or something, but I had just guessed you had a feeling for the skills or something like that. He scratched his chin, a bit embarrassed. 
I just know most skills in general and what kind of skill one is when you use it. I have no idea what skill you are even talking about right now, however. Being directly able to see someone else's skill would be the same as peering into their true soul and isn't something people just do. I never met someone who can, anyway. There are ways to share descriptions, but it is honestly just easier to tell someone. They aren't that long, after all. Ah, well, it's a skill that allows me to go on journeys and see your legacy or something to upgrade skills. It honestly does sound a bit weird. He once more scratched his chin. It wasn't even itchy. Heard of similar skills like that, but you know there are a few small, important details off, the malefic viper said. Normally, the individual you get the legacy from is aware of it, or they are already dead. They also normally need to give permission, but I guess you aren't good at asking for that now, are you? Why ask for permission when you can also just ignore asking for forgiveness? Because honestly, who's got time for that? Jake joked back. Oh, yeah, now that I have you on the divine phone, any input for that whole World Congress thing happening in a week? Nope, no idea whatsoever, the Viper answered back promptly. Wait, isn't it related to why you said claiming one of those pylons fast would be worth it? Jake asked with a frown. Maybe. Right. Why did you emphasize claiming a pylon that much, then? Well, it isn't like anything bad could happen by doing it, and the passive bonuses it gives when in the area are still good. As for that World Congress and pretty much all of those introductory things by the system, I am as clueless as you. Really? That's surprising. Is it because you weren't around at the last few integrations, or are all of them just different? Jake asked, already suspecting it was the second. Beforehand, he had been told that each new universe being integrated would bring change and new things to the entire multiverse, so it made sense that even all these post-tutorial things would be different. According to Vili, the tutorial hadn't even been a thing back in his day, but was a staple now. Maybe the World Congress was similar. All are different, and as the system does everything, no one can predict what will truly happen, especially not those outside your universe. All of those people divining shit in your universe will know is that it is important, and maybe get a very general sense of what it is about, but nothing more. Interesting, Jake said, nodding, but he had a faint suspicion there was more to it. So you told me to get a pile on just on the assumption that things would turn out well. It has nothing to do with anything else, has it? I can neither confirm nor deny that in all prior integrations the performance of those blessed by the gods in these kinds of system-made events will also reward the god that has blessed them, and I am most certainly not saying that the reward for me is higher because you are my chosen. Definitely not. He spoke in the most faux-innocent tone Jake could imagine. Well then, as you're totally not heretical chosen, I'll be sure to perform to my utmost level, oh my honored patron, Jake said, smiling. Though I have no idea what I am supposed to do. Find out when the time comes. I'm sure it'll be entertaining, if nothing else. I guess, Jake said, shrugging. 
Also, when are you going to stop doing that weird aura thing? For the entire conversation, the malefic viper had let his full presence press down on Jade. It felt like he was actually sitting in front of a god himself without the viper bothering to suppress his natural aura. Not that Jake particularly minded. He was just curious. It wasn't like that old presence thing had any real effect on Jake anyway. Yeah, you do know that you are a bit abnormal, right? Anyway, nice talking to you, you filthy blasphemous heretic. Good luck with stuff, and remember to have fun. The viper's aura slowly contracted and began fading away from Jake's soul. Yeah, see you around, Jake said, as he mentally waved the viper goodbye. A wave he apparently picked up somehow. Weird stuff, that whole karmic connection or whatever. With Veli gone, Jake was back with just Sylphie, who hadn't bothered with him talking to himself at all, as she was just sleeping on a pillow. Jake closed all his menus but one, Path of the Heretic Chosen. One use remaining. He kept staring at that part as he shrugged. He had seven days, and his intuition told him the journey thing wouldn't be that long. What exactly the whole journey was, he didn't know, and it even had some warnings and stuff, so all logic dictated that he should try and research the skill a bit more, or plan ahead before using his one charge, especially considering how he would only get another chance in ten levels. But, to counter that, Jake was kind of curious. Nothing ventured, nothing gained. Chapter 67 the Wyvern of the Desolates. Jake closed his eyes and focused on his path of the heretic chosen as he tried to get it to activate, just long enough to make him wonder if he hadn't reached an adequate understanding of any of his skills, which, to be fair, he could perfectly understand. Jake himself was full of doubt about what exactly he needed to understand. Yet just as this thought appeared, the skill reacted. Do you wish to experience the legacy of the Malefic Viper? Uses remaining, one. Jake didn't hesitate to accept. Sylphie, who had been sleeping on the chair, woke up with a startle as she felt the mana in the air moving weirdly. She felt like the entire space shifted for a moment, and she barely managed to register the human disappearing into thin air. She looked around a bit, confused, but soon after just lay her head back down to keep sleeping. Nothing to do about humans acting weird. Jet black wings blanketed the skies as a massive frame covered the land beneath it in an almost unnatural darkness. Humans, elves, demons, and many other kinds of species hid away within their houses in the city below as the beast headed towards the central tower. It was a city of impossible proportions based on the standards of old Earth. It spanned thousands of kilometers with buildings, housing billions of the myriad races, their only solace was the trustworthy barrier protecting their home. Yet the wyvern of the desolates had come anyway, a monstrous beast that had wiped out all life on one of the massive continents on their planet. In its wake always followed death and destruction, and many families of the city had already begun mourning those who'd failed to enter the safety of the barrier in time. The entire city went into complete lockdown, and as the poison mist that swirled around the mighty worm encountered the barrier, it sizzled and burned, but remained stable. It was put down by the city and country's protector, a mighty warrior who sat at a higher position than even the king. 
it was a being none could look down upon, with his level placing him firmly as a mid-tier C-grade. The wyvern roared, opening its maw and spewing out a beam of green energy that impacted the barrier and made the entire city shake. Yet the barrier held up, but it wouldn't be able to do so forever. It had been made by an early C-grade companion of the Protector, and while it would hold up for a while, the Wyvern's attack was especially effective at these kinds of prolonged standoffs. With no other choice, the Protector would have to move personally. No matter what, it wouldn't be an easy fight, for the Wyvern was mid-tier C-grade, just like him. Far above the city and barrier appeared a single figure, it was a muscular, red-skinned demon, wearing heavy armor and carrying a massive mallet and large tower shield. His entire body hummed with power as his glowing white eyes stared at the wyvern that had come to attack his home. "'What do you hope to accomplish by coming here?' he asked in the common tongue of their planet. He got nothing but a breath of toxic green energy in return as the wyvern attacked." As it flew, its form became smaller, shrinking from being a several hundred meters long monstrosity to only about a dozen meters from head to tail. While the reduced size made the beast appear less threatening, the protector knew it was just the opposite, because while it became smaller, its speed increased manifold. The wyvern soon reached the protector, who blocked the blow easily with his shield. He felt a pulse of poison release as the claw hit, but he shrugged it off as his armor nullified most of it. What he wore today was a set of armor he had made specifically for this day, for he knew the gluttonous and greedy wyvern would one day come to claim what was rightfully the protector's. He countered as he swung his mallet, forcing the beast to retreat. The poison mist released from its wings had blanketed the entire area already, and the protector knew the beast relied on it to win, but it would not go as the wyvern hoped. Pressing further, he kept attacking, and several of his blows struck true, shattering the scales of the beast. He knew it was relatively weaker to physical attacks than magic, a trait of most winged lizards, hence his simple yet effective approach. The beast was, in the end, but a beast. It relied on its instincts and not intelligence, making it inherently inferior. Its decision to come to his city that day would mark its end. Their battle continued as the entire area surrounding the city was transformed. A new valley was created when his kinetic blow missed and sent a shockwave down into the ground, and a poisoned swamp sprang up when the wyvern failed to hit with its deadly breath. The protector had to admit that the beast was powerful beyond his expectations, but he knew he had the upper hand. It relied on its poison building up in his body, but he was prepared. Just a few months earlier, a renowned alchemist had visited his city. He was a mid-tier C-grade just like himself, and from him he had procured a powerful antitoxin for today. When the beast believed it had won, he would consume it and finish it off, not leaving the greedy wyvern a chance to escape. He would be hailed a hero, and his renown would grow even further. A single exchange later, and the beast managed to barely scrape him with one of its long fangs, drawing blood. He felt the extra-potent toxin enter his body and knew it was time. He had managed to land a mighty hit in return for the attack and broken one of the wyvern's wings, making it far harder for it to escape. Smiling, he took out the antitoxin and consumed the contents of the bottle. He felt the liquid enter his body and... What? Blood spurted out through his orifices as all the pent-up poison in his body suddenly got renewed life and exploded with power. 
The protector felt his insides begin to rot as he stumbled back, nearly failing to stay airborne. Had the alchemist lied to him? He knew some could alter the descriptions, but all the potions, flasks, and elixirs he had also bought worked flawlessly. So why? Not a fan of my concussion, the protector heard a familiar voice say, as he looked up at the wyvern staring down at him with condescending eyes. What? the protector answered, but soon realized. The wyvern before him was the renowned alchemist known as Velastromaz. From the beginning this fight had been a setup, the antitoxin a trap he had fallen into with both legs. But how could he possibly have suspected a mindless beast like the wyvern of the desolates to be an alchemist? How was it even possible when it, as a beast, did not possess a profession? He knew it was possible to craft anyway, but he hadn't heard of a beast doing so before. He coughed, and more blood spurted out as he wavered in the air. He activated his skill to temporarily stabilize himself a bit, seeing that the wyvern was not continuing its assault, even in his moment of weakness. It's here, right? the wyvern asked, its large eyes staring down at the man. I, the city, just take it? the protector said, coughing, before shaking his head and standing up straighter. There is no reason for either of us to risk death. I do not care what happens to the city. Let us just leave it as it is and go our separate ways. Fie him, the wyvern said, its voice echoing out. Remove the barrier and leave. The protector didn't hesitate to do so. He didn't believe that the wyvern genuinely wanted a fight to the death. In the battle they had been somewhat evenly matched, and like most powerhouses, he had methods to make a last stand if things got too dangerous. The only reason he had any confidence in slaying the wyvern was due to his many preparations. Inside the city the citizens despaired as the barrier that ensured their safety slowly began to disperse. The king of the land, a peak D-tier man, cursed at the protector from within the grand palace for abandoning them as the poison released by the wyvern descended upon the capital. The king didn't hesitate to begin making his escape, not even bothering with his family or anyone else. Up in the air, the protector was about to take his leave when he saw a potion appear before the wyvern. The beast swiftly chomped down on it. Seconds later, the broken wing had regenerated, and the beast looked to be in near-perfect condition once more. Turning to quickly fly away, the protector barely managed to dodge the claw that came for him. Jew, we had an agreement, he yelled as the wyvern attacked him again. Oh, that? I lied. Less than fifteen minutes later, the protector succumbed to the ever-increasing poison in his body. The city below quickly turned into pandemonium as everyone tried to flee, yet escape was impossible for most. The dark green cloud had well and truly descended on the city, and soon there were more rotting corpses than living citizens in the once grand capital of one of the largest countries on the planet. The wyvern turned its gaze to one side as it released a breath, a fleeing king and a few of his guards in its crosshairs. The king took out a protective item to try and save himself, but the shield generated by the marble barely held up for a second before shattering, and he was reduced to a rotting pile of goo. Finally, with nothing else to distract it, the wyvern dove down towards the central palace and the grand tower that adorned its middle.
a mighty mage tower housing an artifact the wyvern had come for. With a swipe of its tail, the upper parts of the tower were ripped away, and the large blue gem within was revealed. The gem had been what powered the entire barrier, and was a true natural treasure. And as the wyvern that would one day be known as the malefic viper laid its eyes upon the gemstone, so did another's soul. It was a silent and unnoticed passenger that was simply alone for the ride, one who was just there to observe and experience the annals of history and the records of what had once happened during the first era of the multiverse. Throughout it all, Jake had been present. He had felt the thoughts of the viper, the protector, and even all the living souls in the city below. He had experienced every collision of power between the two fighters as if he was in the fight itself. Yet it was only at this final moment that Jake felt truly immersed in the body of the malefic viper. He felt like he truly became the viper, and that the body of the wyvern was his own. Every single small piece of energy moving within the large body was clear as day to him. Instinctually, perhaps due to the skill or his bloodline, he knew that this was when the important moment would come, his chance. The viper extended its claw and channeled a version of touch of the malefic viper Jake very much recognized. The gemstone was slowly transmuted as it began turning dark green and giving off powerful toxic energy. None of this was very enlightening to Jake, but he did notice a few areas where he could improve his own ways of using touch of the malefic viper. If Jake had to guess, then the skill was only at ancient rarity at this time for the viper, or maybe the would-be god just focused on entirely different areas than Jake. Opening his maw, Jake felt something inside the wyvern's body come to life that felt both familiar and foreign. Instantly, he knew it was what would one day be named Palette of the Malefic Viper. But it was different from Jake's version in many ways. It was far more potent, for one thing, but it also felt... larger. Jake felt the skill activate as something inside the viper's body began attracting the gemstone. The gemstone appeared to slightly shrink as it was drawn into the mouth of the wyvern, and Jake noticed something that reminded him of his one-step mile, the concept of space. Once the gemstone entered the mouth, it just disappeared. Yet moments later, Jake noticed where it had gone. Like his spatial storage, a small dimension was found within the stomach of the wyvern. Within that storage, Jake felt the gemstone and what was happening to it. He felt it being continually refined and cultivated. But it happened too fast somehow, like time moved differently within that new space created by the skill. A time-accelerated space? Stomach? Just as Jake was considering all these things, time rewound. Jake felt the wyvern open its mouth like it was his own, and the skill activated. The gem shrunk and entered the maw before being thrown into the spatial storage inside his stomach and refined in an accelerated fashion. Time rewound. The gemstone was slowly made smaller as the concept of space worked to make it able to be deposited in the storage inside the wyvern. The storage itself was not actually inside the stomach, but more in another realm created by the skill. Time rewound. This time Jake focused not on the swallowing, but the storage itself. It was truly more metaphysical, likely part of the soul. This is also why the viper could more easily accelerate its time in a passive sense, as it happened inside its own body. Time rewound. Not only was the gemstone absorbed, the usual effect of palate even kept working on it. 
However, it couldn't help regenerate resource pools because all of the energy was passively consumed to keep the time acceleration and space alive. But something was absorbed. The knowledge of the item. Time rewound. While in the space, it was being refined by a skill reminding Jake a bit of his own cultivate coxswain. Could he use that as a substitute? He should be able to. Time rewound. He felt that the journey created by Path of the Heretic Chosen was about to end, but Jake didn't lose focus. He studied every single movement of energy and everything the Viper did as it used its palette of the Malefic Viper to absorb the gemstone. He borrowed from his own instinctive understanding of one-step mile and moment of the Primal Hunter to better understand how time was affected. Both only worked to influence his own body, while the Viper's palate only worked to affect his body too, except for the whole swallowing part. But Jake was quickly figuring that out. Time rewound. Everything was slowly coming together, and Jake felt that the next time would be the last. Mentally, he went over everything as he prepared himself and immersed his entire body and soul into the Viper. Time rewound. Jake opened his maw as the gemstone slowly shrank in size, the concept of space working to reduce its size and deposit it into the metaphysical spatial storage created with Palette of the Malefic Viper. Within, it was constantly refined by a skill very similar to his Cultivate Toxin. He would have to use that for his own version, while at the same time experiencing time acceleration through the concept of time. Throughout it all, the gemstone's records were also slowly being absorbed by the Viper through Palette, as his understanding and familiarity grew to a highly intimate level. He heard the notification sound just as his journey came to an end. Chapter 68 An Improved Palette Sylphie opened her eyes and saw the human appear again back at the lodge. He had only been gone for a few minutes, but he looked like something big had happened as he instantly closed his eyes and entered meditation. She was a bit annoyed at not knowing what was going on, but she would be a good bird and not disturb him. She was kind like that. Jake replayed the feeling of being the wyvern and tried replicating the same experiences in his body repeatedly. He ignored the notification for now to properly process all he had gone through, not just the parts with Pallet of the Malefic Viper, but also the fight with the Protector and when the Viper had used what would one day be called Touch of the Malefic Viper. Several hours passed as he just sat there, while everything was still fresh in his mind. The true gains had been related to Pallet of the Malefic Viper, and it had clearly been the focus of the skill, as it was only when Pallet was about to be used that Jake was fully merged with the Viper. But everything else was still valuable. No matter what, the Wyvern Jake had seen would one day become the Malefic Viper. He didn't really think much about anything unrelated to the fight and how to improve his skills. Everything that had happened then was history and couldn't be changed, even if the entire thing was a bit cruel. The Protector had willingly abandoned the city, and the Viper did not even give a single thought to it as he fought. Billions had died, sure, but they had just been at the wrong place at the wrong time. It was the unfortunate reality of the weak that didn't live under the umbrella of the truly strong. The Protector had given some thought to the citizens by establishing the barrier, but he'd refused to risk his own life for the billions of lives living within his domain. The King had even abandoned the city the moment things went south. Jake shook his head as he finally awoke from his meditation. 
He had gained some inspirations related to other aspects of the legacy of the Malefic Viper, but the true gain was without a doubt with his palate of the Malefic Viper. Opening the notification, he saw what he expected, but he was still more than satisfied. Palate of the Malefic Viper, Ancient The Malefic Viper has honed its venom by devouring myriad toxins found throughout the multiverse. In the same vein, the alchemist of the Malefic Viper can consume toxins to learn their effects and properties. Further evolved, you can now also learn the properties of herbs while at the same time enjoying a greater benefit from all potions consumed. Grants immunity or resistance to most poisons. Passively provides one endurance per level in Alchemist of the Malefic Viper. Through consumption, may your power grow. Through gluttony, may your records expand. Upgraded to... Palette of the Malefic Viper, Legendary. The Malefic Viper has honed its venom by devouring myriad toxins and treasures found throughout the multiverse. In the same vein, the Alchemist of the Malefic Viper can consume toxins to learn their effects and properties. Further evolved, you can now also learn the properties of herbs while at the same time enjoying a greater benefit from all potions consumed. Natural treasures can be swallowed and refined at an accelerated pace using your current level of cultivate toxin, uncommon. If the item is not a toxin, the item will still be refined, but at a slower pace. Allows you to learn the properties of any treasure in your stomach as you slowly refine it. Grants immunity or resistance to most poisons. Passively provides three endurance per level in Heretic Chosen Alchemist of the Malefic Viper. Through endless consumption, may your power grow. Through gluttony, may your records expand as you devour the world. Jake read the changes, and everything was as expected. He felt that every part of the skill had gotten slightly stronger, but the true gain was with the new stomach created by the skill. He could feel it within him right at that moment, even if he knew it didn't actually physically exist. It was like his soul in some ways, but in a way that was a bit more tangible. Jake knew that whatever was within that stomach would appear out in the real world if he died, just like if one broke his spatial necklace after killing him. In fact, it was like that stomach was a part of him, just as equipment like rings or necklaces were. Inspecting it more closely, he felt that the stomach was quite limited in many ways. Due to the way it constantly refined and absorbed records from the item in an endless feedback loop, he couldn't consume more than one thing at a time. There was also the question of what counted as a natural treasure. Jake was confident that normal items such as equipment didn't count, while he assumed herbs would. Either way, it was something he would have to look into in a bit. He first wanted to get done with his notifications. The next few actually surprised him a bit, as he hadn't seen that happening. Ding! Profession Heretic Chosen Alchemist of the Malefic Viper has reached level 101, stat points allocated, plus 10 free points. Ding! Profession Heretic Chosen Alchemist of the Malefic Viper has reached level 102, stat points allocated, plus 10 free points. Ding! Race Human D has reached level 101, stat points allocated, plus 15 free points. So Jake had just gained two levels in his profession less than an hour after getting it. Gaining levels from upgrading the Of the Malefic Viper skills wasn't anything new to him, but he had assumed he wouldn't get them when he used the Path of the Heretic Chosen to do it. Seems like a bit of a scam, he thought, not at all complaining. Heck, it helped the alchemist profession, which was typically slow as heck to level, with progressing far faster. Who would complain about that? 
The final thing he had left was to see how much endurance he had gained from the upgrade, though he kind of already knew the answer based on not feeling a massive rush of energy from suddenly gaining a lot of stats. Checking his status screen, he saw that, sadly, the skill did not work retroactively to any levels below the triple digits, but only gave him three endurance per level in Heretic Chosen Alchemist of the Malefic Viper. He still had the 99 stat points from level 1 to 99, so it wasn't like he had lost anything, and quite honestly, he couldn't really claim to be surprised. If it suddenly gave him almost 200 more endurance before bonuses, it would just be insane. All in all, Jake felt pretty damn good after it all. That path of the heretic chosen skill was great, and Jake was already looking forward to the next use. With all of his evolutions done, he finally opened up his status menu in full to get a view of things. Status. Name, Jake Thane. Race, Human, D, level 101. Class, Avaricious Arcane Hunter, level 100. Profession, Heretic Chosen Alchemist of the Malefic Viper, level 102. Health points, 18,430 of 18,430. Mana points, 20,578 of 22,087. Stamina, 13,512 of 13,790. Stats. Strength, 1,226. Agility, 1,552. Endurance, 1,379. Vitality, 1,843. Toughness, 1,266. Wisdom, 1,767. Intelligence, 1,295. Perception, 3,140. Willpower, 1,425. Three points, 70. Titles. Forerunner of the New World, Bloodline Patriarch, Holder of a Primordial's True Blessing, Dungeoneer 5, Dungeon Pioneer 5, Legendary Prodigy, Prodigious Slayer of the Mighty, Kingslayer, Nobility, Earl, Progenitor of the 93rd Universe, Prodigious Arcanist, Perfect Evolution, D-Grade, Class skills, basic one-handed weapons, inferior, advanced self, common, basic twin fang style, uncommon, basic shadow vault of umbra, uncommon, splitting arrow, uncommon, hunter's tracking, uncommon, mark of the ambitious hunter, rare, archery of vast horizons, rare, descending dark fang, rare, limit break, rare, arrow of the ambitious hunter, epic, arcane power shot, epic, big game arcane hunter, epic, Arcane Hunter's Arrows, Epic, One-Step Mile, Ancient, Moment of the Primal Hunter, Legendary, Gaze of the Apex Hunter, Legendary, Profession Skills, Path of the Heretic Chosen, Unique, Herbology, Common, Brew Potion, Common, Alchemist's Purification, Common, Alchemical Flame, Common, Craft Elixir, Common, Toxicology, Uncommon, Cultivate Toxin, Uncommon, Concoct Poison, Uncommon, Malefic Viper's Poison, Epic, Scales of the Malefic Viper, Ancient, Blood of the Malefic Viper, Ancient, Sagacity of the Malefic Viper, Ancient, Wings of the Malefic Viper, Ancient, Pride of the Malefic Viper, Ancient, Fangs of the Malefic Viper, Ancient, Sense of the Malefic Viper, Ancient, Touch of the Malefic Viper, Ancient, Palette of the Malefic Viper, Legendary, Blessing, True Blessing of the Malefic Viper, Blessing, True, Race Skills, Endless tongues of the myriad races, unique. Legacy of man, unique. Identify, common. Thoughtful meditation, uncommon. Trout of the primordial, divine. Bloodline, bloodline of the primal hunter. Bloodline ability, unique. Once more, Jake took note of how damn long the thing was getting. 
he had gained new skills, upgrades to existing ones, and, of course, a few more stat points. It also felt good to finally have a legendary skill under his profession skills. The upgraded palette of the Malefic Viper hadn't undergone a tremendous change, but it was still one Jake felt made it worthy of being legendary rarity. It used both the concept of space and time, and Jake had a feeling he wouldn't have gained the upgrade without having experience with those two from One Step Mile and Moment of the Primal Hunter. Maybe he wouldn't have been able to use Path of the Heretic Chosen at all. Jake was aware, however, that his version was not the same as the Malefic Viper's was back then. First of all, the Malefic Viper was a monster, while Jake was a human. As a monster, the Wyvern could gain not just knowledge of the item, but even experience and levels from consuming the gemstone, much like how Misty had used the Mistbone to level and evolve to degrade. He had felt that the intent of the Viper back then was to just slowly nurture and absorb the gemstone over a longer period of time. This new part of Palette of the Malefic Viper was, to the Wyvern, primarily a way of getting more gains out of absorbing natural treasures. Jake's was a bit different. Jake's was solely focused on learning about the item while also refining it and improving it. He wouldn't absorb it as the Viper did. He had a feeling the Viper could also do as Jake's version did, likely even back then. It just didn't make sense for him to do so. What truly made the skill worthy of the legendary rarity was the insanely valuable ability to learn about the natural treasure. One of the biggest challenges one faced when using rare ingredients was exactly that, their rarity. When Jake wanted to craft a regular health potion or a poison, he had plenty of time to practice. He could fail a hundred brews or concoctions before finally succeeding, and it wouldn't be a significant loss. The same couldn't be said when one used incredibly rare or expensive ingredients. An example recently was Jake trying to make his first uncommon rarity poison using the rare life vine of the indigo fungus. He'd been limited in his attempts due to only having a single life vine, and he'd even had to cut it up so he could have more tries. And that had only been a rare rarity item. What if it was one even rarer? Jake knew that often the creations wouldn't result in a failure, just an inferior product. To completely fail was far harder than just creating a mediocre product that truly didn't do the incredible ingredient justice. With Palette of the Malefic Viper, that all changed. Without even harming, no, actually improving, the natural treasure, he would be able to learn about it and make it feel far more intimate to him when he would finally use it in alchemy. One of the reasons Jake had learned to craft potions and poisons so quickly was his ability to learn about the ingredients by eating them, it was an ability that made the entire profession as an alchemist of the Malefic Viper coveted across the multiverse. Dake was certain there was some kind of threshold to how much you could learn about a natural treasure while having it consumed, but either way, it would be a huge advantage in the future. There were still some doubts in his mind, so he did what he always did when in doubt. He just dove right in and tried using the skill a bit, and Jake happened to have just the item for it. Although it would feel a bit disgusting to swallow something that had once been a part of such an abhorrent creature. Ah, what one doesn't do for science. He was naturally thinking about the rarest natural treasure he had, the life core of the indigo fungus mycorrhiza. Indigo fungus mycorrhiza life core. Epic. The life core of an indigo fungus mycorrhiza contains a massive amount of life affinity mana and vital energy, can be used in a myriad of alchemical creations will grant a permanent increase to the vitality stat if consumed. Jake took it out of his spatial storage and looked at it a bit. 
He had no idea what to make with it currently, and while he could consume it directly and gain some stat points, he knew it would be a waste. Very rarely was it worth it to directly consume natural treasures, but it was far better to use them for crafting. The life core could be used for many things outside of alchemy. It would be great to suck it on a staff or a wand to create a powerful life affinity weapon, or maybe even as a catalyst in a piece of armor or jewelry to make it give vitality. It was a mystery what he would one day end up using it for, but it would be used to test his skill for now. Jake looked at the life core, which was about the size of his palm, and took note that it was far too large to just shove in his mouth. Luckily, swallowing with the skill didn't actually require him to eat it. He opened his mouth and activated the skill. A suction force took hold of the life core as it shrank and flew into Jake's mouth, disappearing from sight just as it entered. Jake instantly felt the life core enter the stomach of the skill, and he felt all parts of his improved palate of the Malefic Viper truly flare to life. Energy began slowly refining the life core, but it was slow, as it wasn't a toxin and couldn't use his cultivate toxin skill. Luckily, it was helped along by the time inside the stomach accelerating to over a dozen times normal speed, far faster than Jake had predicted. It only took a few moments before Jake felt a faint wisp of knowledge enter his mind. It was incredibly minor, just a bit about how the shell of the life core was formed, but it was something. In a day, a week, or a month, he would know far more. He did seriously doubt he could learn everything, but he could most certainly learn a lot. He was also pleasantly surprised that it barely drained any mana. It was utterly negligible, and if he didn't focus on the skill draining a bit, he wouldn't know it happened. His natural regeneration, not even including his mask and the effects of the pylon, far outpaced the brain. Jake spent the next few hours just focusing on the feeling and familiarizing himself with the skill. He was only thrown out of his thoughtful meditation when Sylphie got too bored and began poking him with her talon to get his attention. Awakening, he scratched her as he considered his next move. His quest panel made him aware that the World Congress would begin in around five and a half days. A part of him wanted to go to the dungeon, but he knew it wouldn't be wise. He tended to get too invested in a singular goal, and he would hate having to leave it halfway. He'd rather just wait till after that Congress. Besides, it wasn't like there were no other D-grades in the world. Haven was located on the outskirts of a grand forest, one larger than all continents of the old planet. Jake had only gone a bit of the way in when he went to Misty and Hawkey's old nest, and even then he had felt the presence of a few D-grades further in, and that area had still been considered the outskirts. Having already decided, he got up and stretched, cracked his neck, and had Hawkey take responsibility for Sylphie as he prepared to go on a bit of an adventure. He should have time for that before the World Congress, right? Because what could possibly go wrong?